0: All right, guys, uh, welcome to Bottom of the Bill. This week we got our good friend Alex Hamby on the podcast. Um, Hamby is a young blood on the scene right now, but he is a phenomenal drummer, really takes the work seriously. He's got a lot of projects he's working on, Patsy's Daydream, and then the new jazz project that he's working on with our uh, a producer here, one of our producers here, Chris Underdahl, called Time Wise. And I know they got a lot of cool stuff coming up. Um, I love this conversation. He's got a great insight. For someone who's so young and new at this thing, technically speaking, um, he's got a great insight to how it all works. And aside from, again, just being a phenomenal musician, so I'm super excited about all the stuff they have going on. Um, this episode was just super fun. Uh, the conversations, the banter, all of it was was really a good time. So um, without further ado, we'll start the episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Enjoy. <laughs> All right, guys, this episode is brought to you by Best Buds CBD Store. If you're like me, maybe THC isn't always the right high for you. Or maybe the legal status of THC has you a bit hesitant to indulge. So, at Best Bud CBD store, they have an array of CBD and Delta 8 THC products. These guys truly care about their service, so everything is meticulously sourced and prepared to deliver a top notch product and experience. If you head to their website, you'll find all kinds of educational information regarding Delta THC and CBD. Uh, not to mention, if you use promo code BOTBPOD, that's B O T B POD you'll save 10% on your order. This is not a one-time deal. If you use promo code BOTBPOD, every time you place an order with Best Buds, uh, it will give you 10% off. That's in perpetuity forever. So head over to bestbudscbdstore.com and start saving on all of your CBD and Delta A products. Enjoy, guys. All right, guys. uh, We are sitting here with the owners of Canine Social, Daniel Moffitt and Ryan Irish. How are you guys doing today?
1: Doing good. How are you?
0: Doing good. Doing good. Uh, Thank you for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, The event that we did yesterday really went a long way for us. And, uh, you know, it was great. We had a great time doing it. And, um, yeah, you guys helped out tremendously with that. You're welcome. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about Wolfstock, the event that you guys have coming up. It's uh, April
1: 15th right? That's right, April 15th. It's actually April 14th. We have a Friday night pre-party and then April 15th is the full day festival. Okay, what's going on for the pre-party? So Friday night we've got uh, Jason Leach and Marvel Years um, doing a Friday night show. Marvel Years, Um, I love Marvel Years, they're so good. Yeah, big time uh, show set up. It'll be set up on our uh, side turf uh, in what we're calling our Disco Dreamland. Um, Okay. So we've got a whole setup out there um and what else do we need to know about that it's a ten dollar ticketed event um people that buy vip tickets for wolfstock the festival on saturday will get access to that as well um and we'll have i don't know some Mm -hmm. other stuff going on it'll also
2: be the uh first time that you can purchase wolfstock uh swag so oh hell yeah all of the gear posters bucket hats all of that um so if you purchase that ticket friday night you're also gonna be one of the first people to uh some of the Wolfstock swag that we sold out of last year by like three in the afternoon.
0: Oh my god. So you guys were really, like, yeah, so you guys weren't expecting that last
2: year? No, not at all. It's so, a good uh, problem to have. Yeah, exactly. So we, we, uh, Definitely focus more on the the swag and retail this year, so
0: okay, should be good. Cool. And so, what's this disco dreamland area that you have worked out with? What's that consist of?
2: Um, so we're working with our team, um, and Chris over there at our team is really kind of headlining the uh, disco dreamland. Um, so we're gonna do some, it's gonna be all tented in, uh, lasers, fog machines. Uh, we're gonna have some of the the clouds with like the LED lights sprinkling through. So it'll be like a full, like immersive experience yeah. um, that's added to the
1: festival this year. Awesome. And some giant disco balls out there. I so, dig it. I
0: dig it. So what's the, so it's it's an inter- interesting concept to kind of weave a festival kind of scenario into a dog park. What, what I've been seeing a lot of is, you know, the, like the, the tap room dog park kind of combination, maybe some like acoustic acts playing, but you guys are doing like a full on festival. What was the, uh, like the
1: thinking behind that? And why would you wanna take something like that on? (laughs) That's right, so this is our second year uh, doing it and we're going uh, a little bit bigger this year. Uh, We've been talking about doing it for four years, pretty much since we've been open. We are like, this would be cool to be able to do an actual dog-friendly music festival, right? Most music festivals, most people don't bring dogs. It's not something that your dogs wanna go to. It's not geared for dogs, our facility obviously. Canine Social is a dog first facility. We just happen to be doing a full day music festival. So last year was our first year doing it, uh, primarily just local bands. Um, and then this year we've kind of upped the game a little bit. Uh, like we said, this the pre-party is Jason Leach and Marvel years two pretty big names. Yeah. Um, and then on Saturday, we've got, uh, I think, another 12 or 14 bands throughout the day on two different stages. Um, we've got a silent disco sponsored by the Icemen. Um, so we're doing like a big igloo in, in our uh, indoor space. Very cool. Um, And it's just one of those things where it's like, all right, we can create a fun event that nobody else does. I mean, it's just something that Jacksonville needs. Everybody loves their dogs. They love music and they love beer. So throw them all together. And that was Wolfstock.
0: I love that concept, man. It's so cool. Side Hustle played last year, I think, which is when you and I met and talked about partnering on the podcast stuff. So it's wild how. Much it's grown this year, like from like you said, local bands and uh, and you know rel- relatively unknown artists, and then this year you're getting like I mean, Marvel Years is like a huge act, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's
1: just for the for, <laughs> for, the, for the, the Friday nights. So the the big names on uh, on Saturday we've got Neil Francis headlining it. Wow, uh, the I've DJ been. the DJ duo <laughs> Neil Francis, uh, and then we've got Max Frost headlining our side stage. Okay. Uh, Stoplight Observations, um, Vincent Anton's out. Uh, obviously, the Honeyhounds locally yeah. are back. They're the big local name that uh, they'll, they'll be part of the festival again. Uh, Future Joys back out. Oh yeah. Um, who else? There's others that others that we're leaving out, but those are some of the bigger names that people are going to recognize. Um, but they can find all that information online and on the flyers and posters they're going to see throughout town over the next month and a half or so
0: awesome man yeah future joy at all i mean just honey hounds all those bands it's, it's gonna be great man it's awesome uh where do you want people to find the event so uh, uh, what's the websites and the socials and
1: all that yeah. stuff uh you can go to caninesocial.com and then there's a little link on there for wolfstock it's got all the details where to purchase tickets uh for vip tickets it's a free ga event so no tickets needed but we do request that people go on there and just kind of purchase a free ticket just so we have an idea of the crowd and everything that we're dealing with. Uh, VIP tickets are available on there and that includes free food, free drinks, VIP access, VIP viewing area, uh, entry to the Friday night pre-party, all that kind of stuff. Um, And then there's a Facebook event page, obviously, all the social media for K9 social over the next month, month and a half will be kind of dedicated towards that. Um, So yeah, there's just a lot of different, you know, things and and ways for people to kind of see it like i said we'll have flyers we'll have posters for people that aren't on social media they'll see it at their you know local bar or restaurant that they go into they'll probably see flyers for it
0: awesome yeah hell yeah man well uh congratulations guys i'm definitely gonna make my best effort to be there as well yeah, for sure it sounds like an awesome event uh it was great last year very smoothly run and uh we really enjoyed playing so i'm excited to see how it goes this year and uh thanks again for sponsoring the podcast yep and uh we'll see you guys on the 15th awesome make sure you guys support wolfstock canine social follow them on the socials check out their website buy the tickets there just come and hang out here on a weekend or a weekday whatever get hammered with your dogs <laughs> <That's good.
1: laughs> all right guys we'll see you later
0: thanks guys thanks man uh, welcome to the podcast alex how you doing good man how are you pretty good it's good to have you here
3: yeah man thanks for having
0: me yeah no it's kind of last minute we were talking about getting you on next season um but then we had some we had wildly two cancellations today which is crazy because like you know like one doesn't usually happen and then we have two podcasts in one day and they both get canceled so yeah appreciate you coming in last minute and doing this no worries man appreciate y'all having me yeah man what's been going on busy
3: dude yeah. staying busy um between uh the teaching and the gigs and everything that's involved with being a musician these days. Yeah. What uh what are you excited about right now that you're working on? Um so me and Chris both we have uh started a new project. Um kind of a it's started out as a jazz project, almost like a vocal jazz project and now it's kind of already within a month morphed into more of a fusion prog- like more proggy type project. Okay. Um, we were, uh, we've teamed up We've kind of like assembled an A team of just insanely talented musicians. And, um, it's, uh, me, Chris, we got Justin playing upright bass and then a kid at uh UNF named Evan, who is like a virtuoso in my opinion. And then we have, uh, Jeremy who's uh, playing sax.
0: Oh, Jer- Jeremy Prince. Yeah.
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, we haven't. I don't know when this is coming out, but we haven't really formally announced the project yet, Um, but we're going with the name TimeWise. I like it. Um, And uh, it's kind of going to be my baby, which is new and exciting because as a drummer, it's never really, you're always fitting in, subbing in with other projects, so it's kind of cool that I can take all my experiences from my already young career and put them into a project and see what comes out of it.
0: But yeah, it's been really fun. So um, yeah, Chris, showed me some of the voice memo stuff that you guys have just been kinda like practicing and, and writing. It sounds dope as fuck, man. Thank you, bro. Yeah, um, so I, I wanna talk about that a little bit because if this is kinda your first time stepping in, it, would you call it like a leadership position? Like it's kinda your thing? <sighs> I would say
3: it, it, it is my thing, but also it's, it's an everyone thing. Like in terms of, cause right now we're in still in the writing process. So in terms of the writing and stuff like that, and we're such a young band that I, it's fun because it's the creative aspect of it. I don't want to just approach it with like, Hey, this is how we're going to do it. This is what I have. You know, I like, I'll throw an idea out. And then like, I just feel like there's just so much talent in the room when we're writing and recording and that I can just kind of throw an idea out and then just have them feed off of it. So it's a lot of really what jazz is, is just improv. Right. Um, so in terms of the writing process, a lot of the songs that we're actually writing are coming from a recording session we did. It was about 20, 30 minute recording session. We didn't write anything out. We'd only play together two or three times. We barely even knew each other. And we just recorded like 20, 30 minutes of us just strict improv. And that was about a month ago. And now we're just writing songs based off that little session. So in terms of being a liaison, I would say yes. But for right now, we're just still in that writing beginning process. I would say I'm not a liaison. I'm kind of just spitting out ideas, and then I just
0: love hearing the feedback. Right, right. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that, like, it's important. Uh, oh, welcome, Melody. Uh, I think it's important when bands get together, there's usually some kind of a hierarchy as far as like, you know, what decisions are getting made. But to me, where the diplomacy really lies is in the creative process. Yeah. Because I feel like if you're, if you're playing with people in the band then you have to trust them on some level as a, as a musician, a player and and an artist. Yep. So like, if that's the case, then you want to open up the, you know, you want to open up the creative outlet for them as well. She's gonna get in your face. And I was Mel get out of his face.
3: (laughs) 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 Yes. So based off what you just said, like in terms of like, because like, there's two sides, I think with like, music. So you have the pure musical aspect of the writing and the musicality of everything. And then the other side, which is Almost just as important, especially nowadays, is the marketing, the business side, all that other stuff that comes along with not how good are you on your instrument. Um, so in terms of the more business side, I would say I'm the liaison on that end. But a lot of that stuff I'm also going straight to Chris too. Um, like the other day we were trying to build a website, and I get the I bought the domain, get that going, and I'm I'm trying to. I think it was like Squarespace. I was trying to mess around with it and i immediately called chris 30 minutes later i was like dude i have no idea what i'm doing yeah
4: <laughs> I'm like he'd gotten one picture onto the website <laughs>
0: <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> was, I, got, was
0: I got the logo and then the picture and i was like all right chris yeah like, what can we do from here <laughs> that that's a good call you know be like knowing what what you're good at and knowing what you're not good at and then surrounding yourself with people that can kind of pick up you know where 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 your weaknesses are and then also being able to like being okay with delegating and knowing Absolutely. that it's okay to outsource some of the work to other people so yeah. that's that's already a good call off the bat i feel like you know yeah so this kind of being your first time in this position what are some things that you want to bring to the table on the i guess the back end of it that you haven't seen or that you do differently than than previous projects you've been in
3: so so with this project i will say We're very, very blessed and very, very fortunate. We have like, I don't know the technical term you would call it. We have a donor who's kind of sponsoring the project, Mm -hmm. which obviously that aspect within itself is completely new to me. So in terms of everything that we're doing, you know, we're being compensated for it, which I feel like it's not, but it should be industry standard. When you're driving 30 minutes to rehearsal and you're rehearsing for three to four hours, I feel like, you know, as a musician, you should be getting compensated for that in some way. Yeah like even we had a Kalani rehearsal, Kalani and the Vibe rehearsal, like we got compensated with food. And for me, mm-hmm. that's perfect. Yep. That's great. Um, so with this project, we have a donor, so we're getting compensated very well with it. So in terms of that, it's kind of new for the entire, everyone that's in the band, we're quintet, we got five people. So it's kind of new for everyone because we're basically operating in a land that not a, a lot of musicians get to operate with in terms of, we don't have many financial limitations, essentially like, you know in terms of other projects i've been in it's like well we're no we're going to have to insource a lot of what gets done on the business side we're now with the finances that we have backing us we can outsource it right which is insane and it's it's truly a blessing so a lot of it like try to trying to answer that question like a lot of it is like unknown because i've never been in a project and i've also never worked with anyone that's in a project that has a backing like that um so what does it look like you know being able to just basically you know hey we need this done okay well we don't need to insource that okay cool we can outsource it like it's it's new it's new for everybody yeah um so it's interesting yeah but it, at the end of the day it truly 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 is an absolute blessing and i it, like and that's just the business side of it so the music aspect is also another blessing like i'm just i'm playing with insanely talented people and it's just awesome like i don't know like the, with jazz it's Jazz fusion, prog—that's all the kind of stuff that I'm I'm into, um, drumming and elsewhere. That's what I listen to. But it's really just, in my opinion, it's just a conversation. And when I get to like rehearse with these guys, and like I said earlier, like I kind of just throw out like a little idea, and hearing their take on it, and hearing this person's take on it, and oh, he wants to do it that way, and then he wants to eventually get to this. Like it's just very. It's just cool being a liaison, but like hearing the creative side of everyone else that's
0: in the project. It's very, very cool, right right Well, it's, a, it's what it makes it fun. It's a collaborative thing. and then especially when you when you get along with the people that you're playing with, oh yeah, definitely. Um, and then <laughs> that uh, helps too <laughs> yeah and then and then the next step of getting along is like trusting them as musicians to have like a a good instinct as yes. to what to do, right and when you when those things fall into place, that's like an almost that's a, that's like a, like a unicorn type situation. Absolutely, you know, it's usually like somebody, you know, there's 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 dynamics that don't work out. People argue, or like you know, maybe you all get along, but maybe you don't trust somebody or their, their instinct musically. So it's like there's a limitation there. Yep, or, or you know the finan- the financial thing as well. So it's like having people that you trust that you like and the financial backing to kind of do whatever you need to do to make the thing happen. Yeah. That's such a rare especially when you're not in a city like LA or New York or Nashville where you have labels doing that, you know? Yeah. So that's awesome. And I was gonna say another thing is like
3: um me and the the donor for the project, he's a he's a business guy. He's had multiple successful successful businesses. So he's very in touch with the business side of things. So me and him have plans to go up to Nashville and uh, meet with a top entertainment lawyer up there and work out a lot of the contracts and stuff like that. Because at the end of the day, do we all trust each other? Are we all I mean, me and Chris are essentially best friends at this point. We hang out every day, every single day, <laughs> every single day. God bless you. And, so, yeah. <laughs> and with the same with the other guys, Jeremy and all the other guys. So it's like in terms of like the business side, again, it's like right now we're like we're all cool. with Each other we're all have a great dynamic. We're all very tight. But you know, you never know what's going to happen down the road when you start playing bigger shows and you know, your Venmo goes from $100 to $1000. Well, then your true personality starts coming out, right? Especially when you got a bunch of young cats that are 24, 23, 22, two of the kids in the band are still in college at UNF in the and jazz they, program. And then you got Chris. <laughs> and then you got Chris. Old man Chris. Which you got to always watch out for. Yeah. So <laughs> So like with going to Nashville and meeting, you know, this lawyer guy, that'll be a connections and B we can work out contracts where it's like, Hey, this is what we're expecting to get. If we do this kind of thing, this is, you know, we can kind of, it's almost like a security blanket. Yeah. totally So like in the beginning it seems silly because it's like, dude, we're all best friends. We're all hanging out. We're all making great music. Well, it's like, okay, well a year or two from now when money's, you know, going this way and you know, you may have other people hitting you up for gigs and you're getting more exposure as an artist. And with us being young, like these kids don't, you know, gig out like kind of like we do. Um, so you just never know. But it, the sense of having a security blanket and um, working with our donor to kind of secure that like back into the business side is is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, well, th- that's a good thing to dig into because the idea of being friends and having a good time and just, you know, innately trusting, trusting the people, it's like, that's one thing. But the thing is, is that there are so many scenarios that start to unfold as the thing gets moving and to have clear established lines as to what the boundaries are and what the expectation is, yep. is super important because that's a good way for your friendship to, to not be anymore, right? Yeah. Because if, if the lines aren't clearly drawn out, then it, there's a lot of things up for interpretation down the line and that's good for nobody because everyone's got their perspective on what it should be. And then when it's when when there's a disagreement there, it becomes a real problem because we're talking about creative and intellectual property. Yeah, and it, it lines are blurry at best. People take it very seriously, especially in music, dude. It's, it's yeah, it's, it goes very quickly to being something very personal. Exactly, exactly. It's literally like when you're writing with people, like you're giving them a piece of who you are. Yep. So the second that they feel like they're being undermined, it, it becomes like a deeply personal attack for people. So it's great that you're meeting with somebody now to, yeah. to figure that kind of stuff out because that is, I mean, super important. Absolutely. Super important. Are you guys going to be like trying to start an LLC and figure out, you know, whose name is on what and all that stuff? Oh, yeah. So that's all stuff that we're going to work out in contracts. And um, and that's another par- part of
3: it is like with, with for me, like I'm, my, I'm not an LLC, but like I'm my own business. So like for me, like even driving here to do the podcast, that's a tax write-off. That's a business thing. So like with a lot of younger kids, I feel like they're
0: coming up in the scene. I don't know. It just depends on how you look at it. Like You got to be careful with that tax write-off stuff though because like, if you're not, there's, there, there's certain things you want to have in place before you start writing off gas and stuff like that for, for anything. If you, do you ha- are you a sole proprietor? Al- yeah, Alex Hamby drums is my... Yeah, because yeah. I've I've worked with accountants that tell me it's like I have an LLC and all that as well, and sure. they, and they tell me that just because you're driving from your house to to a, a gig or something doesn't mean that you can write the gas off. Now, if you stop at a warehouse first to pick your shit up, then you drive to the gig, you can write off that gas or that mileage or whatever. But just from your house to some that's just commute. Everybody has to commute to work to it, you know. Now I, I'm speaking. Uh, with a very vague understanding, this is just what an accountant told me. But like commuting is just is like a part of the thing. Like you don't get you don't get you know credit for that. Cause I've been told the opposite. Yeah, I know it's so weird, right? Because like because like you hear like, you hear musicians say things and you hear accountants say things and then you're like, well, you know, maybe it's not legal, but you know, you're, how much are you making? Okay, yeah, they're not they're not paying attention. We can do this, you know.
3: Yeah, I mean. I don't know. I, I, if I'm driving to a student's house, if I'm driving to a gig, if I'm driving to a lesson, anything, I like, write it all. I, off. Write it, I write it off. Yeah, and it's it's approved. I have an app that tracks it all. If I go out and have dinner with all y'all and I pay for it, that's also a write off. Yeah, that's another tricky one too. But yeah, is I mean, as long as you're keeping your receipts in case you get you know audited. Yeah, you know, yeah. which I I got track of all of it. But that's kind of what I wanted to talk about is like a lot of these younger cats, they have no idea like. The whole like that aspect, because they're still in the mentality of like, oh, well, I'm still in college or, oh, I'm kind of just doing this for fun. I'm hanging out with my buddies. I'm doing this, that and the other. Mm -hmm. But something I've become very keen to is the whole the whole uh, business aspect of it um because it is so i'm not sure about the whole tax write-off thing yeah. 100 percent. i'm just
0: doing what my accountant tells me to do <laughs> I, I know what man i have a sneaky suspicion that nobody knows what they're talking about even accountants it's like even the government yeah exactly it's they like tell you like
3: it asked me how much you made this year and then tell send us that and then they tell you it's wrong it's like well you don't even know how much yeah. i made this year <laughs> yeah. I
0: reported. it's so it's so weird man i don't know I, I just i try i mean i'm on top of it as much as i can be but it's it's uh it's it's a lot to, that's the hardest part for me is keeping track. Not just keeping track, that's easy. It's just like knowing what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. That's where it gets tricky. Yeah. But you're right. It's like, aside from the tax stuff, that stuff is just, that. that's complicated and whatever. But there is, there is just the overall business side of it. Like You have to think about, you know, what you want to do with music. And if you want to write and create, then what avenue are you trying to go down with that? and then figure out how it's done the right way because this yeah. idea of just like pissing into the wind is not gonna get you anywhere. It's a quick way to fail, yes. you know? And how many bands do you know that are doing that exact thing? Well, it's, yeah, in cities, and basically in most cities outside of the major industry cities, that's how things operate because there's no there's no infrastructure right there's like there's no labels like real labels on the ground yeah there's no like there's no agencies management companies publicists marketing people if there are that it's not for the music industry it's for something else you know yeah so the opportunities aren't as like people i feel like are not as aware of those opportunities so they don't operate that way right yeah so and i think
3: that mentality just comes to like And you know, maybe it's not for you, but like my my mentality is like, this is my livelihood. This is my business. This is what I will do until my heart literally stops beating. I will do this till I die, whether I'm making $10 or a million dollars. I don't care. I'm doing this. And Chris is in the same boat with me. Like, we've talked about this with the many projects that we're in. Like, it doesn't matter. We're going to do this, whether it works out with this project or not, whether we're making money with this project or not, whether we end up in another city, it doesn't matter. We're going to do this until we die. So it just comes down to that mentality. is you, I just see a lot of young cats. Because like I'm only 24. So when I say young cats, I'm honestly talking about myself. You're very, yeah, very young. Yeah. <laughs> but I see a lot of bands that are you know have a lot of potential. But they kind of have that almost like garage band mentality of like, oh, we're going to go play at Lynch's and we get drinks and we're in girls and this, that, and the other. And like, yeah, that's cool. But like, I'm not that mentality anymore. I'm like, this is my business and this is
0: how I run it. You know? So totally. More professional kind of mindset behind it. Totally. And you're taking the right steps. It sounds like, you know, talking to the right people and, and really trying to figure it out. It's very important. It's going to set you ahead in a lot of ways, even when the time does come at some point where you start working, if you start working with, you know, labels and stuff like that, or marketing people, whatever, at some point you have to, you know, hire those people to, to help you with things and you having a better understanding of how all that works makes it makes you a lot more protected down the line because then, you know, like well this is this isn't right what are you yeah. what's happening here right yeah so exactly also i wanted to get your take on like wh- what are your thoughts in
3: terms of the so obviously we're operating in jacksonville so what are your thoughts on the oversaturation of musicians in jacksonville and what i what i mean by that yeah. is so like just take this scenario for example so you're playing at a place and they're offering you x amount of dollars and you say hey man i need this they say we can't do that no problem so you're off that bill and they hire someone else, Joe Blow, that's gonna do it for fifty bucks. So that's what I mean in terms of oversaturation. Cause I play with a lot of those people on both aspects. The people that are asking for more money because that's what they're worth. You know, they put in the time, this is their career, this is their livelihood. I play with those people, then I play with the people that kind of just do it for fun. You know, I'm older, I'm just kind of playing cover music. Oh, I get to drink for free, that's a bonus. So I'll do that gig for Fifty bucks. So, what's your opinion on like the in terms of the Jacksonville market? Maybe St. Augustine too, because that's literally really
0: oversaturated. What is your opinion on like the
3: oversaturation?
0: Um, I don't think it's a problem of oversaturation. I think it's a problem of the opportunities that exist in these places, right? So, if you think about the kind of gigs that we're playing, a lot of the times which are bar gigs, right, and you're getting paid guaranteed rates, whatever that is, is what it is. And the thing is that the stakes are very, very low, so you don't need to be that good. To, to do them. Uh, so what ends up happening is that if you're a great musician or a great artist and you say, I don't want to work for that price, mm-hmm. there is no leverage that you have because of the stakes are so low for the kind of gigs that you're playing. So somebody else, a talent buyer or a bar manager, whoever it might be, will find the kid out of college or whatever um, that will work for half the price and maybe bring their family, their friends and because they don't really gig that much yet and like they'll the the bar makes money. It's all and the music is half-assed, but doesn't matter. The bar sees sees their bottom line being met. Uh, The talent buyer uh, is talking to the manager who's stoked and the talent buyers like, well, we, we take a bigger cut. Manager's happy and dude who's playing is happy because they're getting anything for playing. Yeah, right. But how unfortunate is that? It's unfortunate man it is but you know again it's a problem with not having infrastructure to, to that incentivizes creates creativity right when you have we can talk about labels and 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 all the bullshit that they that they do or whatever but there's there's a value in having investors in uh in artists because when people know that there's an infrastructure on the ground where you're at that will invest in what, possibly invest in what they do, it makes them pursue that route. Mm-hmm. But when people live in a place where there is none of that infrastructure, uh, it's all do-it-yourself from the get-go, uh, you're fighting this upward battle that uh, that like, that's almost impossible to get even like a quarter of the way up, because yeah. it's so expensive to do the thing, to develop an artist and a brand, it's so expensive. So what ends up happening is that people just, do the closest thing to that, which is play bar gigs yeah. and the stakes are just so low. It doesn't command high value. It just doesn't, you know?
3: Yeah. It's and that's, a, that's something I've had to learn the hard way is like, and we were talking about this before, but like just those, some of those gigs where you just know you're a fly on the wall. Yeah. Right. Even when we were talking about playing like the jazz game and stuff like that, like cool gig, great opportunity. Tell your parents about it. Cool. But like even still, you know, you're playing for two hours and nobody gives nobody cares, you right. know, In we can name we can name bars for the next hour. That's the same thing. But it's just because, like I said, I'm only 24, so I got my upbringing as most of us did with playing those bar scenes, playing the cover music, and I found out really quickly, like promoters, managers, you know, companies don't care how good of a musician you are. Right. They truly, and that hurt. That was a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. It's, <laughs> oh, you practice this much, and you have this many students, and this is like what this is your true passion okay, well, we don't care. We're going to hire this guy that plays four chords and can play 10 songs, right? Cause he's going to do it for 50
0: bucks. Totally. Which is I, insane. That was a hard pill to swallow for me. Do you, I feel like if you're playing in bars for a living, it's under the guise of music industry, right? Cause you're playing yeah. music. But to me, really, you're just operating in the bar industry. You're just a different arm of the, of the, of the restaurant or bar industry because no one's there to see you. They're, sure. they're, they're they're there to maybe, you know, have drinks, eat some food. And if you're playing songs that they like, that they know, don't play an original song, God forbid, <laughs> play songs that they hear Never. on the radio and just do that. Well, okay. Like, would you consider a jukebox a part of the mu- music industry? Because other than just like distribution that, that it offers, it's really not right. It's just, it's just in a bar. Yeah. So you as a person, you're basically a bartender the people tell you what they want to hear they respond and you supply that right yeah that's
3: no you're 100% right and like coming up in that scene it was just a, that was a hard pill to swallow it was it was it was i mean i realized it very quickly yeah very quickly especially when you go around you see the other bands that are playing this that and the other so it's, what's the
0: alternative for you what do you want to do then do you feel like you can get out of jacksonville well i mean that's <laughs> that's a, that's a valid point uh but then you know? we have examples of people that that kind of have built careers here, for them, like JJ Gray is somebody. Um, I would use. I, I don't like using Derek Trucks as, as an example because of his lineage, and then also yeah. because like he didn't get discovered playing the Jacksonville bars. Let's be honest. Dude was touring around the world at 12 years old. So yeah, that's insane. Yeah, so I don't give him like. I mean, I'm so stoked that he's from here and that he gives this place. Uh, he, he represents this place, but I can't give Jacksonville credit for him, right? Sure. So, so, but there are, but JJ Gray, you know, we can, we can talk about that a little bit, but like there could be something to be said about building a brand from a city like this, just being based out of here, but like going out touring and going other places and building it that way. Right. But then there is something to be said about being on the ground in LA, New York or Nashville where the industry is really at. Yeah. Right? So what do you think? So in terms of my career and the bands that I operate and work
3: with, I see everything as like a stepping stone. So, like, the bar scene is just a stepping stone to the next thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, my mentality as, you know, you know I'm, not, I'm like 21, 22 years old getting to play a box, a cajon at a gig. Like, I'm just stoked to be able to, like, do that. And then, like I said, like, I see everything as a stepping stone. So, from there where you're going at, okay, now I'm behind a drum set. Okay, now I'm playing at, you know, some of the lesser known bars, maybe for not as much. And then I'm playing at the more known bars for a little bit more or much. And then the next, it's like, it's all a stepping stone. So for me, I think, I'm not, I'm not going to diss Jacksonville. I'm not going to diss the scene here. I love Jacksonville. I was born and raised here. I feel like every kid, when they're in like high school or in college, should work at retail, right? Just to learn how to communicate with people, get off their phone, and deal with customer service. Mm-hmm. I feel like as a musician,
0: every musician should have to put in the trench gigs at the doing the bar work. A hundred percent. And we can even make a, a closer analogy to that, which is just, working service industry in general, because you're literally in in a bar or a restaurant. We basically aren't. A service we, th- that's what I'm saying. Like that's that's what the job is. Where We are not operating as bar as playing in bars. We're not operating within the music industry. Like, like the money that we're making is based off of bar sales uh, or restaurant sales, whatever it is, whatever uh, re- revenue we're generating for the place that we're at is a bar or a restaurant it in no way circulates back into the music industry unless whatever ASCAP and bmi have their fees that they charge the yeah. bars or whatever but like but i've said i've always said that like it's super important because you, you can't discount it molds the bar you. gigs yeah it molds you. you can't discount them because like, first off you get your chops you learn how to deal with shitty people and you learn and you get humbled every day every single gig and it's important as a musician because you because like you can be just a little a little bit good and get your ass kissed. Because yes. it's literally like ninety percent of the people in the world can't do what we do, right? Even at at a low level. So to be out there at bars giving it your your all, especially as a great musician and having nobody acknowledge you is important. And and
3: honestly, I'd rather put that grind in on the lowest of low doing those gigs than like being twenty-four and been playing at the, the top places. Cause that's when you see that's when you see a lot of flaws start coming in. If you immediately jump from nothing to a whole lot of something, you're going to see a lot of things go sideways. Look well, at every pop artist. Look at every, you know. Well, it's, it's
0: hard, man. I mean, you're skipping a lot of steps, Right. And like a lot of
3: the humility that comes along with those stepping stones, I was talking about. You're yeah. just skipping that whole
0: process. And just like what it like, what it means to be on a gig, like being prepared for a gig, like practicing, learning, learning tunes ahead of time, having your gear, making sure it's all working, yep. and not having go. a sound guy or drum tech to make. You no, know, that's you. You're doing that. Yeah, you're. Do, it's it's all of that. And then so when you get when you start to you know work your way up to those next levels. You're incrementally learning more and more and more because every level up is there's another element being added Absolutely. to the equation, so but I'd I'd rather come from that point you should everyone should i feel like everyone should i man. i'd rather that uh-huh. I'm not complaining
3: whether it sounds like it or not I'm not complaining at all i'm I'm very blessed and happy to be doing what I'm doing, yeah, and I'm happy that I'm hitting that step stepping stone and then climbing up to the next one
0: yeah it's 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 a natural inclination to to want to move on from the current position, right? And to, uh, to be curious about what the next steps look like. And it's also natural to have your frustrations about your experiences in the current situation, right? So um, when we're talking about the things we're talking about, it's in no way throwing shade at what here, what's happening here in Jacksonville, no, musicians, or, or whatever your priorities are as an artist. Like If you like doing the bar thing, that's totally cool And too. I play with
3: people. Fifty percent of the people I play with are totally cool with literally dying in this city and playing bar gigs. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's yeah. yeah.
3: Is, is that my mentality? Heck no. Right. But some of the people I play with, they're cool with just playing at the beach, and like that's you know you have to work with those people for this you know part of your career. But then I don't know my my big my biggest my biggest thing that I think kills musicians is complacency. Yeah. I, I mean, I have over 50-plus students right now, and it's, it's probably the number one thing I, I try to preach to them, which is kind of hard because, obviously, I have just a burning desire for drums and music as a whole, and some of my students are just like six years old, and mommy's forced them to take drum lessons, yep. and I'm trying to teach them complacency and crazy rudiments and odd time signatures, polyrhythms, nested tuplets, all this craziness. Yeah, maybe they'll come out <laughs> the gate with that kind of stuff, yeah. right? <laughs> it's It's hard because, you know... <laughs> I don't know. I just have, I have a passion. Like I said, I'll, I'll do this till I die. And I absolutely love it. Yeah. I feel like I have a gift to do this and I, I would, I'm, I'm wanting to do this my whole life. So it's hard with some of my students talking about that kind of stuff. But I truly do feel that like business aspect, musicality aspect, the, the biggest killer, and this just goes for like b- pretty much anybody in like, Anybody in like a bi-
0: anybody in any business industry, the biggest com- killer is going to be complacency. Yeah, any career that you do, if you want to excel at it, you have to make you have to make the effort to to you know put yourself to set yourself apart from the herd. Yeah, you know. And um, but again, it could be hard. You know, it's you know, I, I Jacksonville's done so much for me. Same as a as a, uh, as a musician, I, I moved here from South Florida, and because I, it was. It was, where in South Florida, uh, Miami, Fort Lauderdale uh, Fort area, okay. like a suburb in between, in between both Pembroke Pines is what it's called. Okay, kind of navigating between Miami and Fort Lauderdale, really Miami when I, when I was first getting started. You know, it was it was a lot, and I didn't really know where I fit in. I was like not very good, you know. And then I, how, how old were you at this time? I was like twenty, twenty one when okay. I first started. I started. I got started a little late as far as like professionally playing. Sure. And then when I was like, I started joining some bands at around twenty. Threes when I joined like my, my first time, my first full time working band, and then 24, I, I went from playing a couple bars to getting picked up to go, to go on tour around around the country and through Canada and stuff. So I was a year into playing like really professionally, and I got picked up for a tour, and I was not ready for that, like just as a player. Sure. Right. But I shed it a lot, and I and I, I did the work, and then when I was when I was 25, uh, you know, Chelsea and I moved to Jacksonville, and um, this city. You know, it welcomed me to the jams. You know, I was, it was instantly like I was. I could, I could work out like my stuff and practice at the jams and like learn tunes and yeah. and make my and make friends. Everyone was very welcoming and then it was like I could I could gig full time almost immediately like within like not even I wasn't even here a year before I was gigging full time like with no day job, you know. And how were you at that point? I was 26 uh,
3: by by that by by that time. And you would say that you're 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 doing music full time. At that time. That's doing, your only income is music. That's it.
0: Yeah. And, and I haven't done anything else since since 26. I'm 33 now. That's awesome, dude. So that being said, um, at some point, as a as a especially as a writer and, and somebody who thinks on a bigger scale than, than you're just playing full time around town, you want more. So you have to you have to start to consider going to other places where the opportunities are, because like if they're not where you're at, like yes, yeah, social media, the internet, like that, this all helps. Right, but, yeah. th- but you still can't beat being on the ground. It's why people, actors who can just send in tapes or, 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 you know, or send in you know, files to, 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 to casting agents or whatever, it's why they still move to LA. Sure, Because it still doesn't beat being on the ground. You know? yeah. At some point, I think that if you want more, you have to go there. But Jacksonville has helped me become the musician that I am. It's given me my voice. Yeah. I discovered my voice here. And it's because of this scene. And I love Jacksonville for that. Did you ever get into teaching or anything? I've done it a little bit, man. But you know, like the point that you were making about basically babysitting six year olds, like I don't I don't have like the patience for it. And it's it's not even like uh, you can't like be mad at a six year old for it. It's just I take it very seriously and I don't and and I don't want to have to like sit there and reteach the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, And I don't want I don't want to get frustrated with the kids. I don't want to get frustrated. So I just don't do it. You know? Yeah, it's it's hard because like I don't even know what the percentage would be, but I would say
3: 60% of my students, you know, it's one of those things where it's very clearly forced. Right. But then the 30, 40% that it's not, it makes it's up for it. It's all worth it, yeah. It makes up for it. And that's coming from somebody that I, I feel like I have a heart for teaching. I love teaching. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's honestly, that's nothing against you, but like, that's not something that's for everybody. No, totally. I know a lot of insanely talented musicians. They have no business teaching. Yeah. No business teaching.
0: It's one of those things where it's like, I I like teaching too, but you know, my disposition is to, you know, I want to know that, that whatever I'm instilling in in somebody is is getting heard. And absolutely because like I've worked hard for the information that I know. Um, and and for the for the ability that I have on the guitar, uh, which I'm a mediocre guitar player, but I know more more than most people who don't play oh, the instrument. Yeah. So it's like I want to, and I like talking about you know business and like all the like I, I I like instilling that into people. You know, if if there's anything that I can like help people with, I love doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. That being said, it's hard with, with, with kids. You know, it, it's just it's it's hard for me with kids. Like it that. is.
3: It is. Um, I was gonna say like like the whenever I had my first lesson with a student. Honestly, it's it's more or less about the parents than the kids. Yeah, that's... When, you, when you're talking about... That's the bigger thing kids. for me, yeah. But something I try to make a point of... Because um, I'm teaching at... So I'm teaching at three different schools in Jacksonville, and I also do private lessons, and the private lessons is really where I find... Like, that's where I excel, because those are the kids that really want it. Right, right. The parents that really want it, and the parents that put in the time with their kids. But the point I was trying to make is, like, off the get-go, I make sure the parents understand... That whether we're doing a 30-minute lesson or an hour lesson or what have you, bi-weekly, once a week, the lesson is a lesson. The practice, it happens throughout the week. So that when you come to the lesson, you have questions prepared. This isn't like, the lesson isn't practice. Right. If the last time, and I've lost a lot of students because of this, and I'm honestly thankful. Like I made it very clear that like if, the only say I give you an assignment today and the only time you practice it is the next time you come in. You didn't put any time with it. You didn't even look at it. You haven't opened your book. You haven't touched your drumsticks. Mm -hmm. Those are the students I don't care about, and those are the students that I lose, and those are the students it's fine. Like They go to the wayside. But the students that stick around, and even if it is just once or twice, maybe three times a week for 15, 20 minutes, the, the real reason I love teaching is because when you can get a student who maybe isn't hooked on music, maybe isn't hooked on drums or piano. I also teach piano. But if you can hook them on the idea that if you just spend 15 to 20 minutes a day with this, And then they have the next lesson and then you can instill in them and like, this is how much you've grown. You know, it's like with anything, like I tell my students all the time with like with sports. So a lot of my kids are obviously involved with sports. If you, if you're playing football and the only time you touch a football is on a Tuesday practice, are you going to get very good? No. But if you're putting in gym time, if you're going, if you're throwing, you know, if you're playing with your friends, if you're hitting a couple practices a week, the time in a week, you know, in seven days that you're exponentially getting better at what you do it's insane and when you get a student to realize that that is kind of how i found the key to getting them to continue that cycle of practicing and putting in just a little bit of effort
0: so i'm curious what um two-part question okay have you have you utilized video for practicing uh to show so students can see their, their progress and number uh two, If not, what 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 what, like what techniques do you use to get them to realize that? Okay, so with
3: with when you take anything like learning, whether it's school or music, there's a couple different ways you can approach it. And something I try to find out very quickly with my students is are they a visual learner or an auditory learner? Mm. Um, And sometimes you know the parents, I'll ask their parents just off the get go, and their parents will say, okay, well in school setting they're a visual learner. Well, music that always doesn't transcend over. So, something I try to do very quickly is find out do I need to put notation in front of the student or do I need to have you know be, be, able, be playing this stuff and sending videos and stuff like that? Another thing that I always tell um parents and students that I'm really really, really big on because I'm a part of both is there's two there's two things with music so there's the theory side with the notation reading music and all that that's fifty percent of it the other fifty percent of it. Which we're all more familiar with is the ear training. Mm-hmm. We're not looking at chord sheets. We're not looking at written out well, solos. Well, s- some and, of us aren't. Well, Chrissy chord sheets <laughs> over there is <laughs> no Cord. problem though. That's Chrissy chord sheets.
4: I'll look at a chord sheet all day.
3: Hey, that's no problem. But you're also playing a million songs a week, so it's a little different scenario for yeah. that. <laughs> so what I what I tell my parents and my students the first day is I teach both right cuz i know a lot of teachers that are you know decent teachers some of them are great teachers but they only teach you one they're only going to focus on ear training and picking up stuff which is which is great but the other side of it that also they go hand in hand so if you can get both of them down and have a teacher that teaches you both the music theory the notation the rhythmic ideas that are going on on a paper and then you have the ear training those will always coincide and there's also there i mean there's legendary players that literally if you throw them a chord sheet they have no idea how to operate oh, with totally, that oh totally yeah you know but they can—they have the best ear in the world. Yep. But it's like when, you, when you're dealing with a kid and a student, it's like, I want to teach you both. Mm-hmm. So in terms of that, I try to learn very quickly if they're a visual learner or if they're an auditory learner. But if they are an auditory learner, I'm going to preach both. So I'm going to send them home with the sheet music. And I always tell my parents, like, please, 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 if your child has questions on the home... I don't like calling it homework because for me, it's just fun. It's practice. Right. Practice <laughs> isn't homework. It's fun. Yeah. But if they ever have questions... I I, I sent a video out to um, a student I have. I'm teaching at school in Jacks Beach, and now she's gonna start doing private lessons with me. But oh, <laughs>
0: yeah, edit that part out. <laughs> yeah,
3: non, no, it's all good. I don't have a non compete with them. I don't oh. have a non compete with anybody. Word,
0: hell yeah, um, smart man. Yeah,
3: I don't. I do non competes. I mean, if a student asks me, hey, like this this time for our schedule isn't working out. Is there anything other times you have? No, but I also teach private lessons. Okay, that's a private student. That's why, honestly, I pick up a lot of my private students, but no problem.
0: Yeah. Um,
3: <laughs> hey, you know, you know. That's why you work at the school, so you can pick up refined students and actually make money. Oh but you my. didn't hear that from me.
0: Yeah, Well, they did, though, right? Yeah, but, the but internet, they did. So.
3: <laughs> 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 you know? That's a little uh, uh, secret if you get into teaching work at the schools um, and then nonchalantly mentioned that you do private lessons and uh, you know, drive to their house and, and that's then, our
0: Instagram <laughs> clip for the week. Uh, what school do you work at? Make sure we tag them and I'm not
3: telling you any of the schools I work at. No problem. <laughs> I'll send you a list. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah, in terms of a business aspect, you want to make money teaching, do private lessons, dude. You drive the student's house, tell the parents that they don't have to drive their student. They can just stay at their house. That's I love teaching, and like it is a business, and it is a lot of
0: fun for me. But in terms of the business aspect, you know, you're gonna make money. Make your money. Oh yeah, private lessons. I did dude. private lessons when I lived in South Florida. There's a couple dude. of students that I had. It was just like it just you know, but like the kid that Those I was are the
3: kids that normally normally they enjoy it and want to learn.
0: Yeah, the 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 kids that I have they they it was they like the idea of it. Okay, but they never practiced. <laughs> And then like, they would give me, like, they would send me, like, like I want to learn this song, like a video game song or something. And it's like, Dude, bro, this song is insane. Like, I'm gonna have that. a hard time learning this I one. I can't handle that stuff. Like, man. what, like you're, you don't even know, like, what a, what a C note on the guitar is. Like, how, like, you know what I mean? So, yeah, um, I do know what you but, mean, bro. That stuff <laughs> is so annoying. It's so annoying. <laughs> um, but I want to go back to to the auditory versus uh, a uh, visual learners. And so when I first started playing guitar, I, I it was all, you know like by ear and then and, and whatever. And then sure. I, I started playing with like jazz guys and all the stuff that went to like UM and, and, you know, they kicked my ass. And so I started like buying books and learning about theory. And now I've got a pretty good understanding. I can do like some notation and stuff. Sure. I feel like if you don't get both at the same time, the better option is to get your ears developed first, learn the theory later. If you're not getting it at the same time, because what happens, I feel like, is that people get too wrapped up in the theory of it. Okay. And it's like, especially like on guitar, where I have like friends that will, you know, multiple people that, that will map the fretboard out. Sure. And so here's all the different ways you can do this one thing. And it's like, mm-hmm. But then when you're playing, all you're thinking about is that map and you're not, you're not considering anything else. And that's the problem is that like, when, when, you, when we get into like things like blues and jazz. It's it, a feel. It's it's a feel, and there's things that are gonna be happening that aren't necessarily gonna be so um, cut and dry, right? So, you know, with jazz, it's a lot of a lot of uh, you know a lot of harmony that's that's implied, or that's just like you know a lot of like like shell voicings and stuff where sure. where we're using uh, notes as passing tones to get yep. to so like. And I mean, then, you're, ta- you're talking about theory right now. Yeah, yeah. You're not talking about ear. Right. I mean, it's exactly. a little bit of both. No, but that's what I'm talking about. It's a theory right, right now, okay. right? So then, we're, and then we're, with blues, you know, there, there's a lot of bending stuff. And sometimes it's like in, sometimes it's out. Yep. There's, there's phrasing it's microtonal.
3: Issues. It kind of gets in there. But yep. it sounds good. It sounds yeah. great.
0: And there's phrasing stuff that happens. It's kind of hard to notate because it's like you don't really know exactly where it's at. And that's when it becomes more of a feel thing. Exactly. But then if you get too wrapped up in the theory side of it, you negate those things that make the genre so beautiful. And Absolutely. then we become very mechanical and you're not doing you're not displaying or or speaking the language properly or not what properly whatever but like you're just you're not doing it justice I feel like I 100% agree 100% agree
3: and that's once so my point A would be like once again like it's it's a 50/50 thing but I think the level that you're talking about with like all the stuff that you just mentioned is not stuff that a beginner player is going to pick up on. Right.
0: That's why I'm saying if you're, if you're, if you're learning both at the same time, that's ideal, but, but, but for, for those who are not right, it's, it's important to, I think, get your ear developed first.
3: Right. Okay. I would agree with that. You know,
0: like, like, don't worry so much about learning. Like, like, let's say, let's say that you've been playing, you know, two years, right? You Mm -hmm. know, no theory. Your playing is kind of getting there. Like whatever you're, you're sounding technique, yeah, yeah. your technique is getting there. You're sounding okay. Like you can hear a song, and you're kind of getting what's happening, but not totally yet. Sure. And then somebody says, "Hey, you need to learn theory. That's gonna help you." And then it's like, "Okay, cool. I'll do that." Well, what ends up happening is that you you start to, this because this, this is what happened to me. Okay. Is that, is that you get you get too wrapped up in in what you're supposed to do, quote unquote, and not. um what your what what your natural inclination would be because you stop trusting your ear because you just became aware of all the shit that you don't know about right yeah that's i yeah that's interesting um because music to me is about instinct and intuition absolutely you have to trust that and when you start thinking about all the things that you don't know you stop trusting that because you believe that you don't know what you're doing anymore sure right ah oh, man i just
3: to me, the, the theory, though, is what you can have in your back pocket and is allowing you to do more. So I don't see it as much of a, and I'm not saying that you're seeing it this way. I, I, I never see music theory as a hindrance in any way. Right. Well, because it's you, only going to help you. You,
0: you learn both at the same time. you did you, you, like, you, went, you, you got lessons, you went to school, yeah, yeah for music. Yeah. So like when you're consuming both of those things at the same time, it has to be a 50-50 split. You can't have a teacher that's. I mean, it, it just if you
3: look at a kid, their attention span is literally ten minutes. Mm-hmm. So if you're just trying to push theory and notation to them, they're done. I mean, if, I mean, hey, if, if you're trying to lose students, that's a great way to lose students. Yeah. Push theory notation to them the whole time. Never talk about you know the stuff they want. to... The kid wants to learn ACDC. Okay, well I'm going to make you transcribe that. The kid was going to lose the lessons in a, in a month. Right. But I just. I think we're 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 saying the same thing.
0: Yeah, totally, totally. Okay. Because I think that I think they're equally as important. Yes, right. I think you need to like you need. To I know, know a lot the of theory. guitarists that
3: just do tabs.
0: Yeah, that's insane to me. Uh, I, I can't. I, I, and I'm saying that as somebody who doesn't really read sheet music, right? True. Like, I If if you show me the sheet music, I can tap the, the, like 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 what's happening. I, I can like you know rhythmically like 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 clap sure. it out, and then I can tell you what the notes are, right? But i but what what I, what I have a hard time with is putting them both together at the same time, interesting, and so I just don't do it because I don't really need to do it most of the time well
3: for 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 the for the scene that we're in, when are we reading sheet? that's music? what I'm saying so that's why so I, we don't really
0: use it that's like why, that. why I don't use that's why I don't really like flex that uh, I, I just don't work that muscle out right we don't need to that being said um the theory stuff i that language I can speak, and that's an important one because there's with music if you don't speak it there's too much up for interpretation and you saying let's do like a bop kind of thing it's like well what does that mean well <laughs> more, let's do like more um, up tempo like you know more like like, like, like like let's play it more upbeat it's like okay well if you don't know what you're talking about if you don't know like the language you probably mean let's play it faster right but i don't think of that I, i'm thinking literally on the upbeat right if, sure if, if you come from that world of just theory like then you're literally thinking on the upbeat so it's like me coming from the world of not knowing theory at first and then now knowing theory, when somebody says, let's play it more upbeat, I know what they're talking about, like yes. faster. But if you don't know the language, there's, there's a communication. There's a disconnect. Yeah, and then it makes it hard to like do anything or get anything done. You know? So the my favorite thing that you've said so
3: far is, is language. I, I, I love that term because, I, I mean, even as I said earlier, like music is just a conversation. It's me saying my language, and then I'm listening to your language, and then we're having a conversation. Right. As, as specifically with the jazz stuff, but so with well, anything, anything, any jam night you go to, and you call out a tune, and people are going to play the tune, you're just speaking language. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's and that's something else that I try to like improve upon my students is like, this stuff is just here to help you. This is just I'm building up your repertoire, your language. Like just compare it to like, I don't know, being in fifth and sixth grade and you have to write a paragraph essay. You know, and you're using too many thes and ands and this that and the other. Well, can we improve those adjectives or whatever you have with some bigger words? Improve your vocabulary. Improve your language right. to just make you a better player. And something that I actually just started doing last week. I had a I had a guy I was playing with um, two or three weeks ago at a gig, and he we were kind of chatting up, having a, a few drinks at the bar before the gig, and uh, he was asking me because I, I you know he he knew I was a big music theory nerd and. I'm a huge transcription nerd and whatnot. And he was asking me, like, not not in, in the sense of, like, a get-rich-quick kind of theme of, like, how do I get really good at music? It was kind of more or less along those lines. Yeah, I know Like, I how, do I, how do I really improve on my instrument in a short amount of time? Kind of like that. Yeah, Not exactly what he how he worded it. But something that I've, and I'm, I'm preaching to the choir, I'm preaching to myself. So this is something I just started doing is really getting into transcribing. Mm-hmm. And I've started doing it with my students too, and I've started really, like for this jazz project, with TimeWise, I've really started to transcribe my parts. Because I've noticed when I transcribe, and all transcription is is getting out what's in here onto a paper, that's all it is. Can I play it? Sure, no problem. I'm getting out on here onto paper. And and just through the process of transcription, and okay, is this is an eighth, and this is a sixteenth rest, this, that, and the other. That's going to get you a better player. Totally. But then, in terms of once you once, my favorite part is once I get it down on paper with drums. You know, we're working out. Okay, is this the right foot, right hand, left hand? All the rudiments, all this, that, and the other. That's what we would call in the drum world, sticking right hand, left hand. What's what's hitting what at what time? Once I transcribe it, I really love the process of once I get it down, switching it up. Like in seeing where else I can go. So in my head, I can kind of quickly do that, but on paper, I can kind of long term, like write out a groove, write out the sticking, write out the counting. And I'm, I'm, this is not for like basic, like, mm, ah, mm, ah. We're obviously not going to try to transcribe something like that. Right. This is for your more, okay, I'm trying to write a groove in five, eight, and I'm trying to write some nested tuplets, and I'm trying to write in some 30 second or some 60. 64th notes. So, this is some more complicated stuff. Right. But I've noticed that transcribing it, and this is why I told that kid, I'm like, dude, you want to get in. I've learned this. I, I love in my free time, I watch jazz documentaries. When I do have free time, I just love watching jazz documentaries and getting wisdom from legends. And they'll all tell you the same thing start transcribing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've really noticed that transcribing, working with my students, and doing it for myself has. Just in the last couple of weeks, and that's something I've always done, but now that I've really started taking it seriously, I in the just in the last couple of weeks, I've noticed it's made me much better. like it's it's cool and it's for me, it's fun. It's not like, oh, I have to go transcribe this. And let me figure this out. Let me use MuseScore score to make sure I'm doing it correctly. right. No, it's more like, oh, I get to transcribe this. Let me see how I can add on to what I'm what
0: I'm what I have in my head and what I'm writing. right, right. yeah, totally, man. It's funny that you say that because I, I actually was doing that before you got here. You were uh, transcribing? Yeah, because I had take 5 a.m. 5 a.m. Because, like, I, d- I uh,. <laughs> Uh, it's it's because like <laughs> transcriptions. Yeah, right. We're, we're real fun at parties, guys. Oh dude. <laughs> <up>.
3: Transcribe <laughs> me out. Come on. Bro. Transcribe <laughs> me out? Yeah.
4: Tra- hey. <laughs> Is that a new movie you're working on?
0: Uh, <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you <know it'll> go- <laughs> it sounds like the worst fucking like tagline from a 90s sitcom. <laughs> Transcribe me out, guys. <laughs>
3: You got to chill, bro. <laughs> Y'all get me talking about transcription. I get a little excited, you know. <laughs> oh,
0: shit. All right. So
3: let's hear this. You were, you were transcribing before this.
0: Yeah. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I want to I hear about this. You got to. My- <laughs> so, so there was um, uh, I, I, before we started the podcast, I was telling you that I've been working with uh, this engineer who worked with Side Hustle for the last yeah. couple records and uh, he lives in South Florida. So him and I can't like physically meet up and do work. So what I have to do is communicate my ideas to him and then he has to try and execute. Right. So cool.
3: that's a cool dynamic.
0: Though. It's, it's cool. Cause like, you know, we're on the phone. An interesting dynamic. Yeah. It's, 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 there's a curve there for sure happening because a shout to Jason today, Cida- C- C- by the way, he edits this podcast for YouTube and all that. Sorry. He's our boy. Um, he'll be listening to this too. Cause he's going to be editing it. Um, so <laughs> it's an interesting learning curve because sometimes, especially if you don't, speak the language of production, which is a different language to learn. Oh, um, it can be hard to get your ideas across. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know, going through a song that we're working on right now. And I'm taking notes on it. Like some ideas that I have, like for, you know, production stuff and sounds that I want to hear and whatever. And then um, uh, then I'm hearing a good melody over the song. Okay, let's try this melody. And I'm, I'm t- literally typing out in a document, like, I want to hear uh this i want to hear this uh d sharp that's gonna be a quarter note and i want to hear uh this phrase here with these notes and that's going to be um there's going to be a a, an eight, uh, a dotted uh quarter note rest here and then this is going to come in on the end of three and then we're going to do uh and it's gonna be this pattern but they're and that's gonna be eighth notes Right. And I'm just like, bro, just Hmm. write it out. You know what it is like. You just told him what it was. Yeah. Why don't you just write it down staff paper? So he'll understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he, he, he like studied classical music. So, so like he, he'll, he'll look at the music and um, I'm going to assume that you're going to know Jay. Cause um, I don't know. He doesn't like play a lot anymore, but I would imagine that he still ha- can like visually understand what's happening. Sure. So I just sat there as he wrote, fucking write it down. So I got, I got some staff paper out and I just like started notating it. And I was like, when I started doing it, I was like, this is help. Like, just, I don't know how to, I don't know how to describe how it's helping me, but I can tell you right now that I, there's a, there's something that just makes sense now yes after doing this exercise literally i don't write sheet music i don't read it sure but but like just doing this one exercise i'm just like that was amazing like yes you know what i mean so i I get what you're saying definitely helps for sure chris what's your take on that transcribing
4: um man i it was one of the biggest things that kind of gave a jump for me when i was at unf there you have like um you know i studied with james hogan and he like had a bunch of theory to give me but then he would show me all these players and I just had no idea what they were doing and mm-hmm. like my assignments would be like, all right, go play me the, his first take of the solo, you know, like go go play his first chorus of it or something like that.
0: Okay. Now we're now. So this is another thing with transcription. Are we talking about learning something or are we talking about notating this is, something? This was notating. Okay. This was like,
4: you know, it was like an exercise on like, and, and I had to play it too. It wasn't for, just for, like, so,
3: so using ear training to transcribe,
4: using ear training to transcribe dude, right? that dude, and then that put it on so the good. instrument. Good. And honestly, man, in terms of transcription, I was doing that for a long time, and then once I got out of school, I stopped like doing so much physically, like mm-hmm. transcribing it. But something I picked up recently is I'm trying to like make uh, music lessons of just like little songs that I like and promote them on like short form, you know, social media clips. But selling or like transcribing stuff and essentially selling lessons of these things that I'm working on. Dude. So part of that was like writing a solo out, just like me playing it, composing it. And then turning back around and transcribing myself. Yes. And that was one of the wildest things that I've done in like recent memory is like all these licks that are kind of now part of my bag, stuff I do on, yes. the, on the regular is like, what is the actual written notation of what I do almost every night? And it was, it kicked my ass for maybe like, I don't know, a solid three or four days of just like trying to yeah. notate something that I play 10 times a gig. You know, that's yes. just something I lean on as a crutch almost is like. Damn, that's that's a little that's deeper. So like, even taking the time to like go back on stuff you play and kind of understand your own vocabulary a little more is is, yes. is wild.
0: That's so true because you recognize the patterns, right? When, yeah. when, when you can, when you spell it out, it's like anything else. Like when you're reading, you know, a book or something. Like when you get to the point of where you can read, you know, when you're learning how to read when you're younger, you're like, you know, one. Like almost one letter at a time you're sounding Literally. it out and then it becomes well now I, now i see the pattern of the letters and i can see the word and then you start to get i mean i don't read like a whole lot anymore so like um but but let's say like you know for people that do read a lot like you you can kind of like get from point a to point b over here of a sentence just because you recognize the pattern of yes. the right and it becomes the same thing when you're reading music all of a sudden. You see the pattern of the measure, and then the, the the entire line. At some point, you're like, I know exactly what's going to happen because I recognize this pattern. Yes.
3: it's like I'm I'm trying to like put into terms of like how I'm trying to like actually like quant like it's hard to quantify how good it is for you as a musician. Like your vocabulary is getting better. A the B like your way to communicate with other musicians, like how you were talking about, gets better on a gig, on a recording, this, that, and the other, like. There's just so many different ways that transcribing
0: will make you a, a better musician, dude. It's, it's honestly, it's kind of insane. And even if you don't, like like the notation thing uh, as uh, today, and it's funny that you brought that up because today was my first time doing it. And literally like... It makes aud- you think, man. Well, yeah. Um, the, it's, that's super important. Like, even that was a, a light bulb that went off. But if you, if you don't do that, at least take the time to like just audibly transcribe stuff. Listen to music and tr- and try to play what you're hearing, like note for note. Yes, it it builds your your chops up. Number one, um, and number two, like chances are the ideas that you have in your head, like they've already been, especially when you're first starting out, they've already been done. So if you yep. can if you can just keep listening and 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 play it, then within a couple of years you'll be able to form your own voice with that vocabulary, you know? Yeah. And I, and I would say like, for those who are listening who maybe aren't into transcription
3: or haven't gotten onto that level, the second best way to basically kind of do the same thing is just to record yourself. Yeah, totally. Like a lot of my students were not at the point of transcription, right? These kids are not trying to transcribe, but they're writing down. Okay, cool. Record it. Right. And then even for us, like with these, these fills and these licks, and these grooves that we're playing that we have in our back pocket that we can pull at any time, like record it. And then the same thing with transcription. When I write it down in a transcription, I can see how I can add on and make it more hard, this, that, and the other. The same thing with recording. I can record it. I can hear how that actually sounds like, you know. And this is actually something I, this is something I preach on a lot with my students and also with the, the church I play at. I'm like, do y'all want to get good? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, we record all these services. We live stream them. Go back and listen to them. Listen to all these notes that you're flat on. Listen to the drums that were doing this. Listen to this, that, and the other. Like, go back and listen to recordings of yourself. Oh, yeah. And then in, in terms of for drums, um, with my beginner students and even intermediate students, um, practice in front of a mirror. Uh, like, when, we're, when I'm trying to preach technique and stuff like that, I don't know how it is in terms of, like, guitar and stuff like that, but I know drums. And I kind of pride myself on being a very specific on technique. Um, I and this is something I did when I was taking lessons in high school. I was taking lessons with John Farmer, which is really who I started taking. That When I started taking lessons with John Farmer, he moved out to Colorado, but this is where I kind of went from, this is kind of fun to, okay, you have a gift, and I need to like do something with this, and I need to take this to the next level, but something he had me do is record yourself, go back and listen to that, play in front of a mirror, get your technique down. Um,
0: technique is another element of it that, that's important, and for especially for people who don't, go to or who aren't taking lessons or aren't going to school that's youtube over- university it's yeah, free yeah exactly because it, it, it's it's overlooked a lot for people and for i'm saying people. that as a teacher
3: yeah and who loses <laughs> money when people want to do opt out of doing private yeah. uh, private lessons are always gonna be better
0: you're gonna have a real-time response it's always better to youtube do university
3: lessons. i do i do youtube university yeah oh my god bro I, th-
0: that's like what dude i didn't take lessons when i was young, younger so like the only way for me to like learn stuff was to listen to it, and YouTube started becoming a thing a little bit later. So, but like, it's what it's what that's helped me do is look at the technique that people are do, are using, and it's like, you know, when I look at my favorite players, who Mark, are some of your favorite players, Mark Lethierry, Larry Carlton, uh, Corey Wong, oh yeah, uh, guys like that, all Mish. You if, like Tom Mish? Tom Mish, from
3: you'd love Tom Mish. You don't know who Tom Mish is? I don't
0: think so. Oh, you'd like him? Yeah.
3: He's very talented.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he's well, very and, talented. Is he like his own artist or does he play with somebody? I,
4: <laughs> yeah, he's a solo I mean a solo artist but plays plays full band. Uh, yeah.
0: Okay. Dude, you you like him? A I'll lot. Have to check
3: him out. Oh. Um I'll show you him I'll show you some of him afterwards. Yeah, yeah for sure. I'd love to see him right yeah. there.
0: Yeah, totally. But I, I watch those guys and 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 like there's a, a part of me that's that's like yeah, you want to play what they're playing but then you also want to know how they're playing it because there's a te- there's a feel and a way that they're speaking that is um, that you can't do if you don't understand their technique. Right? So you got, so I start going back and I'm like, man, I've been doing this all wrong for so long. Look at the efficiency in the right hand, especially the right hand is so important, man. Left hand is very important too. Mm -hmm. um, But right hand for a guitar player is because it's also just so overlooked. Right, We're, like everyone's, talk- we gotta hit the right notes. We can just do hammer ons, pull offs, and we 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 overlook the right hand. But you know, holding the pick properly and like knowing how to move your wrist and control- economy of motion. Yeah, exactly. Economy of motion, exactly that. And 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 understanding how to be pre- like precise with your picking. That's what those guys are so fantastic at. And um, I've had to go back and rework my technique over the years of having bad technique. Which is just always it's always a setback when you have to do that. So, but you're
3: always but you're always, a you're always a student. Always a student. You're Always a
0: student. Always. So it's not really it's it is a setback, but it's not right.
3: Because you're I'm always learning. More learning information. You're always a student.
0: Totally. Totally. You never.
3: I can't stand people. Like, oh, you're not good. I'm good. I don't need lessons anymore. People that tell people that tell me so. I'm just. Who bored. are you?
0: When people say they're bored of their instrument, oh, I'm just like you, you know. know. I mean, you're 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 not looking hard enough then, or, or you just don't care anymore. Go on YouTube and watch ten minutes of content. That's
3: what I do. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, that's, I can't stand that stuff, dude. And that comes back to the, I feel like that comes back to the same mentality of what I said earlier about the complacency. Right. Oh, I'm good. I know everything. Bro, who are you? Right. That's, that's complacency A and B, you're not. You're not that good. Right. Maybe they are good. But dude, I mean, one of the schools I teach at, there's a, um, man, he must be 70 something years old. And he's a virtuoso piano player. And I tell a lot of my other students this. He's 70 years old. He's been playing piano since he was like 10. Um, this is most insane player ever. And he practices two to three hours every day. Every single day. He's been playing for, I don't even know, do the math, 60-something years. And he's 60, 70 years. I don't know still how old going. he is. And he's still practicing two, three hours a day. That's awesome. Um, but one more thing I wanted to kind of segue in with the Tom Mish thing um, and the teaching and kind of going along this line is – Another thing that I'm really big on, and uh, this is actually, so like one of the schools I teach, at, I try to write like a topic of the day like, that I would like to discuss with some of my students that are kind of at that level where I see potential. And, and the topic I had written out was, um, what was it? It was, what are you listening to when you're not behind your instrument that's making you a better player? So obviously when we sit behind our instrument, we grab our guitar, our drums, we have the stuff we like to play to. We'd have the stuff that we'd like to play to and we're learning and doing this, that, and the other. But I think a huge part of practice is listening. Yeah. And in terms of just listening to like, what, what was I listening to when I came to this podcast? What was I listening to when I was on the way to go teach? Like for me, that's practice. Like what are you listening to that's making you a better player? Um, whatever that means for you. And then in terms of a beginner level or as extremely advanced level like i'm really big on on listening and listening to stuff that is going to challenge you and spark creativity when you're when you're not because most of us are going to do that behind our instrument but when you're not behind your instrument are you still doing that same thing
0: right i think that a big thing god damn it melody <laughs> uh, i think that a big thing with that is uh is is having experience in the studio Mm. Um, because when you're—that's a whole another world right there too. It's it's vastly different than performance, dude. Um, live performance, and it's uh, it's equally, if not more, important to your ability as a player and as a l- listener because, um, first off, like everything's under this auditory microscope. Yeah, you can really hear all the imperfections, and you know how to correct. You have to learn how to like correct those so they don't exist in the ether forever. Yes, right. Secondly it teaches you how to listen to music because you have to Dude, that's huge <laughs> yeah man like Dude. you have to you have to pick apart whatever you're, especially in a band situation where you, we have let's just, at a basic level just very basic you have drums bass guitar maybe some keyboards some vocals maybe some harmonies right and you have to understand how to first tune out everything and focus on one thing yep and then bring everything back in and listen to that one thing in the context of everything else Yes, and then move on to the next instrument and do the same thing over and over and over again and then listen to the song as a whole and not focus on one thing but how does the Listening whole Listening to overall, other, other players. Yeah, yeah. How does the whole thing sound together without just, just in context? Like how does this sound as a song? Let's not focus on bass or piano. How does this sound as a song now? Yes. And then what that does is when you listen to everything else now you're listening on that same level because you had the experience of of picking every element of the song apart, right? So yes. th- what the studio experience helped me big time with that. Now I, when I listen to music, it's almost like sometimes daunting because my my instinct is to just start, like, start picking it apart. And it's like, well, this isn't a fucking passive activity for me anymore. Now this is becoming no. like work and I don't want to listen to music right now. <laughs> you know, so it's like, you know, but... But, it, but, but the art of listening is in art within itself. Totally.
3: Like because that's I'm going to go back to the teaching thing like we can have lessons and we can learn during the lesson but if you don't teach a student how to practice then everything is worthless. Totally. Right? Cuz we're doing a 30 minute hour lesson a week. I don't want to keep harping on the teaching thing but that's you know that's where I'm comfortable and that's I mean this is good for anybody that's trying to do music like if you if the art of practicing and then what we were just talking about which is a separate but same thing the art of listening is so quintessential to getting better on your instrument and another thing uh, along with the recording studio time and listening back to yourself and this that and the other um another great way to get really good at playing with other people or just on your specific instrument is kind of sounds weird but i don't know if y'all have ever heard this before but learn another instrument
0: oh yeah yeah dude yeah for sure you want to sure. get
3: you want to get good at what you do, learn another instrument, and totally. figure out how everything communicates and is talking to each other together.
0: Exactly. <sighs> it's Lord. super important, man. Super Dude. important. There's a it's like anything else, you know, it, it creates like, the more experience that you have in life as as a person just outside of music, the more experiences that you have, the more just naturally empathetic that you become towards things, right? All about perspective. Exactly. Yeah. So if you can understand more, then you can communicate more eloquently and to a much broader audience of people. Yeah. right? And it makes you much more comfortable in, in, any, in any scenario, whether, and again, this is outside of music, it can be social, it can be business, whatever it is. Sure. Just, the principle is the same. And when, when, I, when I speak with people that, you know, well, I just wanna have fun, I just wanna play. Okay, well, what's less fun than being on stage and not knowing how to interact? Like there's nothing less fun than being in a, whether even a a writing session, a a rehearsal, what's less fun than being around a bunch of people that you don't know how to interact with as a musician, (laughs) right? Why not just do the work? And then that way you can have tons more fun in any scenario, right? And that, and that comes back to the mentality of like, and this is just in,
3: that's what's so cool about music is like, you can apply a lot of pretty much everything that we've talked about today into like. Not music, but just life, anything or business, which is so cool. I love so. Winton Marsalis is a famous trumpet player. Mm-hmm. He is huge on this stuff. I just watched a huge documentary the other week where he was just like applying music lessons, but to life lessons, which is essentially what we're talking about right now. And I think that's that's huge. Like to be able to apply these, especially for like once again the student the student thing. Like to be able to apply these these music lessons to life lessons. It's super important, especially for young kids that are coming up in today's day and age.
0: Ultimately, at the end of the day, art imitates life. Oh, right. okay, yeah. So it's, 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 it's just that. It's like everything has a place. Everything exists within a certain frequency or within a certain boundary. And then understanding how those things work in relation to each other allows you to be able to think about things on a broader level. You know? if, if, I, if
3: I do something, I want to do it to the best of my ability. Right, right, and I think once again that comes down to a mindset thing. Some people are okay just getting by, you know. And is that my mentality? No. And does it kind of make me sick? With, with my mentality, like that, I just because I'm not on that same wavelength. Like I don't operate that way. Right. If I'm if I'm gonna do something, like I just start going to the gym again. I'm gonna operate. I want I want to send it. If you want to use the 2023 20, yeah. term, bro, yeah. send it. I want to send it. I want to go, you know, over the edge with it. I'm not gonna. Half ass it, if you will. Let's yeah, just say that. Totally. So with music, and especially with music, because that's my passion. That's why I feel like I've been put here on earth, is to do music and give back and this, that, and the other. Like I will never half-ass music. You know, I will never half ass it. Totally. So I, I so it's hard because once again, you play with people, they don't care. They're cool with playing the four chord songs, whatever, doing this, that, and the other, playing the same, playing, playing the same spots. But then you play with the people that don't do
0: that, and then you have the mentality that I think we have, where it's like we want to be great, you know, at everything. That's the thing is, there's a time and a place for everything. It's at the end of the day, it's it's just about understanding your it's it's about understanding your options. Yes, right, and then knowing that given the options within any given circumstance. You are going to understand how to operate within that circumstance. There, it's not to be. It's not anything to be said less about simple music or or more no. about complex music. It's just un, as a player, understanding. You know how to play because we're we're working in service of the art. If the art calls for simplicity, then we then we play simple, and we know to do that. Absolutely. If it calls for complexity, we start to think a little bit more about what we're doing, and we start to operate like that. And then again, and the, even from the per, like, from from the perspective of, compl- of complacency, like, everyone's not going to uh, want to be uh, more than that. And that's and we need that too. Sure. Right? Because it helps keep people grounded. Like we, sure. And we need some of that as well. Sure. Um, however. You know, if that's not your mindset, then don't do yourself a disservice by not by not feeding that impulse, right? Yes. Feed the impulse to be better, even if it, even if 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 it's if it seems hard, because the muse will stop speaking to you if you don't entertain it, right? Yeah,
3: yeah, it's 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 interesting to me because like you know, I work with both of those people, and like I said, for me, just in general in life, I don't want to half-ass anything. And then with music, I definitely don't want to to half-ass that. I want to be the very best I can. And like I said to you earlier, like once you're a student of music, you're always a student. Right. And then once it's your livelihood and your passion and who you identify yourself as, dude, like there's, there's no, oh, I practice three hours this week. No, it's like like when I get time to practice, it's it's awesome. I love being able to practice. When I have free time to practice, I love it. So like it, it, another thing is like when I was when I was a more of a student than I am now. I'm still a student, but when I was more of a student in terms of like, I'm taking lessons and having private lessons and taking, you know, doing the camps and doing jazz band at the school and high school, you know, that stuff. That, that mindset for me was still, okay, I have to practice 30 minutes a day. Mom wants me to practice 30 minutes a day in this. And then she wants me to do an hour of piano. I took piano too with my mom. She went to JU and double major in piano. So that's where I got my my I have a very musical family on one side, and the other side they just play the radio. Okay. <laughs> so, well, that that's good, you, but it's you, cool you, because like when well, I was growing up, so I'll I'll tell you a quick story. Yeah, I love telling this story. So my my grandpa used to own a music store up in Albany, Georgia, and so my mom's side of the family they grew up very musical, marching band. They did all the bands, and um, when I was I want to say four years old. My grandpa called my mom and was like, hey, I'm coming down to Jacksonville. I'm coming down to visit. I'm going to bring a present for Alex. I'm going to bring a musical present for Alex. And my mom goes, sure, no problem. Come on down. Just don't bring a drum set. It's way too loud. We're not doing that. Because she kind of had an idea of, okay, he's going to bring something down. He always used to bring down something from his music shop. And she was like, okay, no problem. Come on down. Come visit. Just don't bring a drum set. It's way too damn loud. He comes down four hours later. He had a drum set. Uh, and ever, <laughs> since, ever since that day, I've been playing drums. That's awesome. Um, so it's, it's been kind of cool because I have my mom's side of the family. So I, I started with lessons on piano with just doing lessons with my mom and then quickly branched out into drums. So with my dad's side of the family, it's very non-musical, right. but they have a great taste in music. Right. So I've gotten, once again, very blessed. I got the musical, the theory aspect, kind of going back to that realm, the notation, all that good stuff, and then my dad's side of the taste and the ear training and all that stuff. So I think that's been a huge part of how I teach now is because that's what I grew up on. And, you know, I'm only 24, but I can tell you from my experience that that's what works. You know, that's what
0: works. So it's been very cool coming up from having both sides of the aisle. Full spectrum understanding, you know, I'm curious as to what, like, you know, when you're younger, Especially if you play if, when you're playing music when you're young, you're you're forced to practice and there's sure. this kind
3: of like You still have the mentality of I gotta practice three minutes a day. 30 yeah. 30 and day. and it's like,
0: there's like there's this day. kind of resentment towards it almost, but you know, you're being forced to do it. And then at some point, well the, the force stops and then all of a sudden it's like now I wanna do it. Yes. I don't know what it is. Maybe maybe there's 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 something like uh there's there's a repetition that's happened and like there's something instinctively at a certain point where you, where you feel like you're not accomplishing something if you don't do it. But then there's also this idea of like, well, now that I don't have to, now that I'm not being told to do this, that's That's a huge part part of
3: it, dude. Yeah. And like I've gotten to the point now where if I can't be around my instrument, even a practice pad or a drumstick, like I went to Colorado two or three weeks ago repping the Ride shirt, but I had to bring my practice pad and drumsticks. Like I can't, I, 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 it sounds insane, but I don't know if I can physically go without my instrument or with my drums or something, even just listening. I can't go without it for more than three or four days. Like, I think, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's something that it's, it's a God given gift, or I don't know if it's something that's innate, primal, um, or maybe you just had a great teacher that's really pushing you. That's another aspect. There's a lot of different roads you can take down to get to that point. But yeah, there is, I feel like there is, you do come to that point where it's like, okay, I'm not really forced to be doing this anymore. And that's honestly why, you know, you're a teenager. You'd be told, that's how I was when I was a kid. I was hard headed. You tell me not to do something, and that made me want to do it 50 times more and figure it out myself. So I feel like that's just part of it. But once you get into the realm of you're not being forced to do it anymore, and you get more creativity and more, it's more passion driven, then I feel like that's when your mindset changes. So like I said now, like now it's not like, oh, I have to practice or, oh, I, I practice an hour a day. Or Now it's literally to the point where I cannot, I have to have it. It's like a drug. Yeah, totally. And, it, and it, it truly is. Like it's my therapy. Like, I mean, we can go down the mental health route in terms of music and how it's helping people out.
0: Like, dude. Well, there's, there's, there's for a lot of people. It's an outlet. Yeah, man. And there's, there's my the, outlet. There's a, uh, you know, hopefully a healthy person doesn't attach all their identity to it. I'm not a healthy person, so I do. I'm not either, and we're Um, musicians, so exactly. (laughs) Take that advice with a grain of salt. Yeah, totally. Um, But that being said, even even if you attach some of your identity to it, when you don't pursue it, even at a hobby level, if you're just you know practicing and doing for yourself, there's there's a sense of like not not being fulfilled, right? Dude, even if it's ten percent of of who you are, five percent, that that five percent. If especially there's a deficit in other areas of your life, that means something to people. you yeah. know so just a part of that being your identity if you're not if you're not exploring that or feeding that impulse, then it goes somewhere else, right? yeah, and it's better that it goes into music than 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 literally any anything else. yes, you know and another that brings me to like another point.
3: so I'm, I have a lot of friends I have a lot of friends in the music industry, and I have a lot of friends that are also not in the music industry, and this is something that like. That I realized that I was very, very blessed with, is like I, I, I got an idea of what I wanted to do and what my passion was from high school. Same. I, I'm friends with very wealthy 40, 50 year olds that are extremely wealthy in terms of you know finances. They have no clue what they want to do with their life and they're not happy at all. Totally. Dude, we, I mean, I'm sure Chris will agree with us. Like we are extremely blessed in the sense of we have our passion. We know what we love to do. A, and then B, we get to do that. Like I have a lot of, and even friends my age that are still trying to figure stuff out. Like, I didn't really think about it that way because I just, this is always something that was a part of me and that who I attach myself with and who I what I love doing. But I have a lot of friends that have no idea what they want to do and are trying out this thing. And, you know, maybe their parents are super accessible, so there's that pressure on them to, you know, make something of their self. They have um, to subdue that that passion
0: and that's yeah that that kills people
3: they don't know what their passion is and you know and i and like i said i know kids are my age i know adults they don't know why they've been put on this earth why what's their drive what wakes them up in the morning what's their passion like dude we are extremely blessed to, totally. to have that
0: totally like man. that's something that i feel like we take for granted a lot all the time but i, I try to make an effort to think about it as much as i can because you, sometimes you do need that perspective yes when you're having bad days or when you're going to play a gig that you don't want to do mm-hmm. whatever you're just like you know so many people you know maybe most people in the world don't have anything that they really care about at that level and maybe at the level that we're obsessed with it uh maybe it's unhealthy um it is. but uh but at least we have something that we care about that much. I would rather be. I would rather attach my identity to something that's ambiguous and non-tangible sure. than have no no uh, direction or passion at all. You know, at least like I can wait. At least you know, if I waste my life pursuing something, I did it in pursuit of something that you loved. Yeah, exactly. You know. You know. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there, there's that's so, so important, man. We have to we have to definitely think about that more often because yeah. it's easy to get down on yourself. That's, you know, we were talking before the pod about you know this project, this project is failing, and that
3: is this that, and the other, and we're, we, everybody, musician goes through that, every business person goes through that, every human goes through that. Like, and I was talking to Chris about this the other day. Like, I try to kind of see everything with like. Think of how you're blessed because of it. Like, think, like, I don't know, man. I'm just so blessed to be doing what I love. It's, like, honestly insane. Totally. Like, it's hard to put into words. Um, And like I said, like, the mentality of, like, knowing what I want to do and knowing why I've been put on this earth and having a passion, like, just realizing that not everybody has that has been insane for me because, like, a lot of, like I said, a lot of my buddies don't have that. But I try to see everything, even if it is a complete, you know, because there's bands that have, they're just, when you think of a band, that you're in, and you're just like, this is nothing but negative. What we were talking about the other day is like, hold on, let's take a step back and pull some positives from it. So, you know, we're not gonna name specific things, but like with a specific project, say everything that you're getting out of that project is negative, well, guess what? Guess what you can take away from that project? From that project, moving forward, a positive you can take out of it is how to not run things. Right. So, you know, you have a layout, liaison of the band that's just running things in the dirt, things aren't working out, fill in the blank, finances, you know how the band's operating, creativity and writing, whatever you have, you it's not going well. Well, guess what? That's a negative right now. But you can take that negative and in future projects and wherever your career takes you
0: on that stepping stone process, you know how to not operate. You know how not to do things. And you form relationships. You've had experiences that you know again, like you know whether good or bad, you can move that forward. But the relationships too that you form in those scenarios that can turn into something else down the road. You know, it's like there's just every scenario that you're in can if if you just choose to perceive it a certain way, yes, dude. then you can you can perceive it negatively or positively. you know, and that's it, everything in life, again, is just about perspective. yes, like you know if if you're somebody that wants to be defeated, you will only look at the way that that thing is defeating you. If you want to play the
3: victim, you're always going to be a victim exactly. That's exactly what it is. And that goes with life. Uh, so another kind of similar story along with that is like, you know this person was saying, like, "Oh man, all you guys do is like kind of make fun of my musicianship and this, that and the other. And it's like that makes me not want to play. Okay, well, what you just said, so it's all about how you take take it's all about your mentality and how you take energy like that. So for me, somebody's kind of making fun of how I'm playing. You know, maybe they're cracking jokes or maybe they're actually being dead ass serious or like, yo, like this isn't good. this you're not you're not you're not hitting it for us when I'm take, so that's, that's something, that's a moment that's happened. Okay. So there's two ways you can go about that moment. The first way is you can throw away your instrument and be like, all right, I'm done. I'm not practicing. This is how they're going to treat me. I'm done. You know, screw them, that mentality. That's not the mentality I want to have. I want to have the complete opposite mentality is like, okay, this is a challenge. I'm not acting up to par. I need to go practice. I need to go shed. I need to get better. Like, there's two, and like, like what you said, there's two ways you can approach every situation with music and in life. You can let it beat you up, you can play the victim, which if you get in that mindset, that's just gonna happen to you over and over and over and over throughout your whole entire life. Or you can take that moment
0: and build on it and get better. Yeah, it's fueling or it's parasitic. You, you decide, you know, that's that's what it is. That's all it is. Um, we should do some bottom line news. Let's do it. It's been, I love this conversation yeah, dude, so this far. Is good this is stuff. awesome. Did we get a pee break? dang bro I think it's a better look to be honest you, you think yeah damn look. well you're the first person that said that bro without the stash yeah well, I think you look better without the stash oh without it okay yeah, yeah. okay
3: okay yeah, yeah no yeah know, dude before it was just a pedo stash bro yeah, yeah well, I, I, I can't grow facial I, I, hair I don't
0: know if you remember because you were hammered when I saw you at the at the, at the tequila festival over oh, here dude wasn't oh, there oh was, what a party I, that was! I was, was. like I, I was I walked up and like you and Chris came back with the uh, fucking yacht hats God. and I was like, you look, you look like you have at least two sons in rehab, oh, <laughs> just one, but don't worry about it.
4: All right. Peace.
0: Oh my gosh.
3: No. Yeah, That's, you look dude. I was <laughs> fucking with no. you. It was no, just, no, but you're not right, ro- dude. Everybody was giving me shit and like
4: Oh, we had a hold on. Let me interject. We had a, we had a game in a point system where we would just roast Alex with pedo jokes and we would each assign each other points in the band and just be like KP would roast him. All right. Two points. Juge would get him. Hey, but you Four know what points?
3: You know, the fight. <laughs> what is the saying? The straw that baked the camel's back. My brother, my brother said something about it. He's like, you know, you look like a straight up pedo, right? I, was like, oh, All I thought right. the
4: straw that broke the camel's back is when you did it.
3: Did what? Shaved it? No, that's what made me shave. Is my brother saying that I look like a straight up pedo, and I was like, "All right, this thing's got to go." Every I can handle shit from everybody else, but my own brother is like, "Dude, this is insane." That's hilarious.
0: He is your older brother. He's my younger brother. Younger brother. That's wild. That you give your I have a younger brother. There's virtually nothing he could say to me that would make me want to change something. Really? (laughs) Just because? Just it's not because I love my brother to death, but he's my younger brother. I grew up beating him up. Same. and, And it's just like there's so like now the dynamic is like is there's how how much younger though three years
3: okay mine's about two three years you too yeah yeah
0: two and a half years to be exact damn Uh, same yeah so it's like when when he said when he if he says shit to me i'm just like i will eat you he could probably kick my ass now because he's a little bit bigger than me but it doesn't matter i'm kicking my brother's
3: ass if he's watching this i'm kicking his ass he knows
0: that (laughs) but it doesn't matter like i i know that i could still beat him up though because it's the older brother syndrome they're like they're always going to have that in their head like you were the 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 that's true. The, the older one like just like it's just a different dynamic you know what i mean
3: see and he told me the other day we were at bible study at our church wednesday night and we're sitting in front of our entire bible study group and he goes yeah you're he's like talking about he's going to the gym and this that, and the other and i'm bigger than my brother i know i could whip his ass he's like i'm stronger than you i'm like in what way if like if we throw down right now i'm, I'm going to destroy you yeah and he's like well you have upper body strength or lower body strength and then he goes he said in front of the entire group he goes we well, kind of got a gut I got a gym membership the next day. Yeah, I'm
0: hilarious. not kidding.
3: When he made fun, of him, when he was the one that made fun of me for the stash, I got rid of the pedostash. When he was the one that said I got a gut, I went to the gym. My brother says something, I take it seriously.
0: That's 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 kind of I, kind I of, love I, that. Boy. I, I, I respect, I respect that. him. Yeah. Shout, so Jason Hamby. I, I I respect that. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> I love that boy. On that note, we're back. Come on. Are we back, Chris? Oh, we're back. We're back. Are oh, we back, baby? We can Come leave on. all that in, by the way. Oh, I mean. we're leaving that in. <laughs> um, all right, so we got some bottom line news. Uh, coming your way. What do we got this week, Chris?
4: All right. So there's a kind of a big ripple in the music industry. Um this plug-in software waves is kind of like a kind of entry level industry standard for producers and musicians getting their, their feet wet and and working in DAWS. This is like kind of accessible plugins that work really well, easy to use kind of thing. Right. Um they've been selling bundles for for years. It was like the first Audio bundle I got was like 150 bucks. I got um, EQs, compressors, limiters, like all the tools I really need to to kind of get in the door at least. Um, it's it's been great stuff. And this week they announced that they're changing their model to a subscription based plan. Um, so basically, for the top plan, it's 250 a year. For like the kind of 101 plan, it's 150 a year. So. It's, you know, it's really a lot of musicians I've talked to and seen kind of view it as almost like a betrayal from this company that's like worked so long with like, you know, up and coming people. Um, Hmm. It is just, you know, what I've what I paid for one time and have used for five or six years since is now going to be a yearly charge for people and it's you know that's that's or a monthly charge uh no well so i paid 150 for like the bundle i had and for like the kind of the entry level bundle um that it looks like it's going to be 150 a year according to this like website i'm looking at
0: right but at some point like the software that you bought i'm not saying that what you currently have is outdated but somewhere at some point the software does become kind of outdated and you have to make another purchase again right well
4: actually so they have they have like a upgrade license, so mm-hmm. I think maybe maybe it's once a year or something. I forget like that, but they essentially upgrade, and maybe they don't add a ton of new features, but they up uh, they they up the kind of the interface. They kind of modernize everything. If there's something that's buggy and not working, like they're very good about like taking care of their customers, and like that's kind of how they became such a staple in in the community. Like in ter- in terms of plugins, like there's a lot of kind of third party indie plugins like. The Wolfpack compressor um, has become like a really popular one, Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a lot of examples of stuff like that. But like Waves is kind of like your entry level, and like UAD is kind of like your top shelf level. But like those are some of like the biggest names. Is UAD
0: doing a subscription model also?
4: Um, I think they're still on. Uh, a sales base,
0: but they'll change. But, but how long until they go to this? Yeah, that will yeah. change. Everything it's, is subscription. Like, ev- Adobe's doing it too, and like yeah, a- everything. Yeah, and and the the thing is, so the better question or the better conversation I think here is subscription model versus uh, whatever the standard has been up until now. And I don't know how I feel about it because it seems it seems like it's a, it's a good idea for I'm I'm speaking from a consumer point of view right now, right? As a consumer, to me, if you're one of, you know, let's say 10 companies offering that plan, let's say everybody else is still in the traditional model of like just buying the software and then you're good to go for X amount of years. Uh, if you're the one company offering a subscription model, that sounds dope, right? Like I would be down for, this, for, for the subscription model. That being said, like how many subscriptions do I fucking need at this point in my life?
3: But everything's moving to that. Everything's I a subscription yeah.
0: because it, because outside of music, too, everything is a subscription. But, but that's why I'm saying, like, like, like how many? At what point are we like we're going to end up spending? People are going to spend <laughs> their entire you know net worth on subscriptions. It's like it's it's insane. Dude. We're talking about every every channel now is starting their own streaming platform. Yes, everyone. And, has, yeah, and then like now Adobe has has uh you know the, the subscription model too, and that only gets you a limited amount of stuff. If you want more, you have to upgrade to like. Way more than twenty five dollars a month. Oh yeah, it's it's, that I mean it's like a
4: hundred bucks a month. And then like even the still
0: within that, like Adobe Stock, which is like a which is a program that, that, that within Adobe that I had to pay extra for just to get stock background images. You still have to pay for the stock background images once you're paying the subscription fee. It's like what are we doing, guys? Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's, it's too much, and um, I don't know. I think it's a smart move for the for, on the business side though. It keeps your people locked in. They sign a contract, probably a year minimum. If you break it, they pay a fee or you pay a fee. And then on top of that, people stop using it. And then they're still paying. They forget about it. So my my question would be, so in terms of weighing
3: like outweighing like costs and benefits, Chris, are they adding stuff that's actually like, okay, well, I can see myself paying. Like, are they actually going to like add stuff that's like, Okay, I could see myself paying a monthly subscription for this. Or this is are they just gonna keep like the same model?
4: Not for the price point. Like yeah. it looks like well,
0: there's you know, eliminating the, the, the they're just there's eliminating the the upfront cost, right? So rather than somebody uh, saying, Man, I gotta play fucking I gotta pay eight hundred dollars for this thing comes all well, it's like, man, eight hundred dollars is a lot of money. Twenty five dollars a month is not it seems a lot more manageable. Especially the, for musicians. Yeah. And the business makes you know and for them it's it's it's, it's you know, it makes a lot more sense for them.
4: For them, sure. It to me, it's like you know, it's it, it does seem like a, it really kind of like a turning your back on the
0: base that built you kind of thing. It's well, yeah, like, but, but they have to compete. They they have to. Compete. Everything is moving in that direction. They're, they're, they're not the first ones. Or,
4: Their price points are already competitive as you know as it
0: was. It does like, m- And
4: I get like I get it. It's to me, it seems. Look, it's you're right. It definitely benefits the corporation.
0: You know, it's like I mean, if, if people here's here's the reality within the market that they're existing in right now. If they want to keep providing a service to people, they're going to have to switch the model. I'm sure yeah. before they made this decision, there was a lot of conversations about can we keep our current platform the way that it is? And then the decision was like, not if we want to stay competitive. And so what they're doing now is that they're offering. You know, I don't know what the, what other uh, companies are charging, or you know, I know some of the Daws are doing the same thing. It's like, you know. They're moving in, in the direction so they can stay competitive and still offer the service to people that find it so rewarding. Otherwise, what happens is they keep their model. They can't compete and they fail and then no one gets the benefit. From so,
3: works. so if I could, so if I could offer like a business analogy, please. So let's check out, let's look at, let's look at a business. Let's look at Blockbuster, mm-hmm. right? Blockbuster was dead, dead stuck on. You're going to come to our place. You're going to rent the movie. This that and the other. They had their way of operating. Then guess what happened? Netflix came along, and they said we can do that same thing, but we can do it for cheaper and for better. And then they completely took over Blockbuster. I feel like this, in terms of the business, is like kind of the same thing. I d- They're adapting. What? what? Oh no! I'll, I'll let
4: you finish. I just I disagree. But really. I want, I want to hear I want to hear you out though. I I, I really do disagree because to me, to, How? so exa- because it's it's like. A physical brick and mortar versus something online that you get is like a is, it's a different comparison okay. versus like but so like but adapt here, your business so here you've now got something that's like okay I so I say if you adapt business that's fine but like build a hybrid like my my thing is like all right cool so you've you've got someone like maybe myself that's like playing gigs not a lot of money but has a drive to like get in this world in this industry you're now going to drive me to another place to do. Okay. My well, business. so where, where are you going to go?
3: So where are you going to go? Dude? So
4: that's, and like, that's the thing. That's a, there's, like I said, there's other third party companies out there. You're going to go find, you Don't even know their names. I don't know. I so, definitely don't.
3: So you're not going there if you don't even know their names, you, but you, you, you can, can bet you, you can, you can bet your ass that I would do
4: it. you. I would do my research and go find right. a place where I could mm-hmm. go, but then also and take a one time purchase because I'm a broke musician, right? Like I can't like let's back in the day. I, I, think, I couldn't have afforded this, but people did that with when pro tools switched over. A lot of loyal Pro Tools people jump ship. I like,
0: guess what's still the industry sh- uh, industry standard? It's it's
4: not that cut and clean anymore, man. I, like, I know it's, that I, it's
0: I know not. That, like, I know that it's not. But at, but it's still it, most people will still consider it the industry standard. I know that that, that that there's more that it's it's diversified. I know that. Yeah. But it's still the industry standard. And uh, when it comes to uh, plugins, and you know, for engineers and producers that that that, that trust the product. A lot of them don't want to have to go and find smaller companies that they might not trust and spend the money on a one-time buy if it's you know three, four, five hundred dollars. And you're like, man, I really don't like this. And yeah, um, sure, sure. I'd rather just pay the twenty-five dollars a month. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? Like, and that's
4: fine. It's just like you know, I've.
0: I'm just playing you devil's advocate know, no, here. I no, don't, I don't, sure. I don't know how I feel about it because, like, I'm kind of yeah. conflicted about the subscription model. Like, it to me, y- it's, it's it's hard it as a so, consumer. It
4: feels so. I mean, like, it's sure, it's it's a it's a capitalistic thing. It's a it's a sure. great, if you got, got no, no, like no, capitalism. hold on. If, if you've got to upgrade your model, that's fine. But like, why not go to a hybrid model first and say like. Look, we want to. So that's to, what you would do. On. So what? if it were me in my company, I would incentivize going to subscribe like a subscription, but still offer the thing because because Netflix
0: does. sure, you, you can it's, still you can still literally. They, they, uh, there was an interview. Uh, there's a podcast called Smart List that's hilarious with Jason Bateman and uh-huh. Will uh, Will uh, Arnett, uh, Sean Hayes, and um, they had the owner of, uh, of Netflix on there. And they were like, they were making jokes about people still get like, you know, haven't, like not returning their DVDs yet. Like, I still got that one DVD. Like the red box thing. Yeah. And he was like, you know, you'd be surprised. We have 60,000 subscribers that still order physical DVDs because why? Because internet isn't really, isn't available everywhere. So you still, so they still like order it, like, you know, from Netflix. Or like, or like the streaming capabilities aren't there. Like you know, weak internet, whatever it might be, like to stream. So it's like they still order, or some there's a lot of old people that just don't want to do the streaming thing. So sixty thousand people subscribers on Netflix still order physical DVDs, so they keep that service open. So something to be said for what you're saying too, Chris. So and
4: there's another thing that you actually just brought up in my mind that's you know kind of an issue is like when you have a subscription base, there is a verification process. So now, to use these plugins, you have to be connected to the internet to verify. Your subscription, like,
0: ah, uh, yeah, it's, that's so a problem. It's, yeah, it's
4: so like, okay, I, I want to go mix that. on an airplane or this and that. Like, to me, there is just more cons that outweigh. You can buy
0: Wi-Fi in an airplane. That's
4: great, but another fucking <laughs> subscription. Cool <laughs> yeah. beans, bro. Yeah, like, if cool. it were me, I would rather like even if so. I paid one fifty for my bundle. I'd rather them offer it also now for three hundred bucks now, because the the bundle I have ends up costing one fifty a year through the subscription. I would rather pay three hundred bucks and. Pay for two years outright, knowing I can use it for five years after that. Then to just pay, but
0: there's a, that's but that's six hundred over five years. But that's why they're not giving you the option, bro. Because most people are going to take that option.
4: Pro Tools did that though, and Pro Tools switched over Avid, and that's what I did when I bought my copy of Pro Tools. Was there was a hybrid blend, and it was more expensive to buy it, and and that's so I'm speaking from what I've done before. Like yeah. those models are out there in this industry. And well, I don't know, man. I'd be like, curious the- as
0: to why they made the decision to not do that. Maybe, maybe they did an analysis of it. Maybe they looked at the at the at the data from other companies, and they were like, "Yeah, this doesn't seem like it's working for them. Let's just do this, the subscription. It's not, or the juice isn't worth the squeeze yeah. to have people that are oversee that side of things. You have to hire people, yeah. And then you have to keep track <laughs> of that. There, there, there's, 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 you know, uh server data the for for your website. There's yeah. just there's there's all this extra overhead that comes with just having an extra department for something that may not be yielding sure. much results, you know?
4: Um the only other thing I, I want to add on this is that um the and just in my circle in my scene like between friends and other businesses I follow and stuff like that, the response has not been overwhelmingly positive. Like I haven't seen one friend excited about it, one this and I've seen I've seen other companies like I, I just showed Alex this Mike company that I'm a big fan of posted a meme just roasting that was a funny meme. This other <laughs> this that was uh, a good meme. Roasting them, and so it seems like even people in the industry are kind of like, "All right, cool, this is so uh, you know." And that's just a perspective thing. Maybe it's just a funny thing to jump on and do whatever. But like. I haven't seen a bunch of people be like, Oh, this is really great for us and everyone, but that's you know, it doesn't have to be great for us, it's their business. They can do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. It's you know, that's fine. But that's just what I've seen around the ether these uh these past
3: couple days. It's inter- it's interesting for me talking about this because the way that y'all operate with DAOs and stuff like that is I think definitely different from me. So like when I wanna go record drums, I have a I have a guy I go to. And like even I've hit all up about doing video and um, whatnot for me for mm-hmm. doing stuff like that. Um, so I, in terms of my personal experience with my career, I haven't delved deep into, and it's something I want to do. I haven't delved deep into operating with my own DAOs and doing my own stuff. When I want to do stuff like that, I, I don't know, I've talked to Chris about this before. Like, I don't I don't give a crap about all the DAO
0: and I, I'm mixing not, I'm and mastering. I'm with that's, you, I hate it.
3: I can't, uh, yeah, okay, good. Yeah. So, I can't stand it. I'd rather outsource it.
0: I still have.
3: I'd, I'd outsource it all day.
0: I still have Logic though. It's two hundred dollars.
3: But you're a singer songwriter, yeah. So so it's easier because I can just use one microphone. And just I'm a drummer.
0: It. Yeah, it's a lot more. And lot with better. drums,
3: the the capital. Hear me out. The capital that goes into recording drums versus singer songwriter is thousands
0: yeah, of dollars. You need a larger interface. You if you need, want to do it if you want to do it properly. Yeah. You need a larger interface. You need like more more microphones. I need at least
3: need, eight, ten to microphones. Like you need yeah. two microphones and you can plug in, right? Yeah, exactly. You, you can go DI. I ain't doing that. I need eight to ten microphones. I need this, that and the other. I right. Need, so for me, it's just interesting talking about this kind of stuff because this is not a realm that I'm very familiar with because I always outsource it. I have a guy that I go to that uh, Chris has met that if I need drums to record, whether it's for a project he's working on or something personal, I'll hit up y'all to do video and I'll hit up him to to do all the mixing and mastering. So it's it's very interesting talking about this because I don't have a lot of experience with it.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's I like, it's, it's not, um, you know, as far as like, plugins and stuff. Like I'm not an engineer, right? I like producing, um, in the sense where I like to be in the room with the engineer sure. and like, and communicate what I'm looking for and have them, you know, make it happen type thing. But like the button pushing and, and all the, like the it's, it's, it's just, I, I'm a guitar player and I'm a, and we're a musician. Yeah, we're not an engineer. Exactly. That's, and I want to focus on that. Exactly. So I will, I will usually, if I'm trying to do real work, I will outsource it. That being said, because it's so easy for me as a singer songwriter and a guitar player, I can plug, you know, one microphone in and plug, go, go direct in, yeah. get scratch tracks, get my ideas down and I'm good to go. You know, that's that takes no like knowledge at all. Chris,
3: know? what do you think about that? Because I know you're, you, your opinions are a little bit different about it, especially so, with your college background studying that kind of stuff. I'm just
4: I'm kind of a hybrid, you know, like yeah. and that's just kind of a force of how I ended like just ended up in the in the game is like I do you know, dabble in production, I'm doing production right now, like, I, it's, but I don't do it at the level, like, you know, our, our other producer, Jay is, you know, he's an engineer, I, I think first and foremost, and kind of like, maybe, maybe he and I are almost like a mirror in terms of like, you know, he's got the musicality, and and his musicality reflects my production side, you know, like, so it's, I think it's super important to have that, that world of both, but I know that I'm doing essentially just enough to get me like maybe a step ahead or a step in the door. Like I can, I can walk into a studio and speak the language maybe, maybe a degree or two more than your average musician or something like that. So like in, in that sense it's helped me a lot. Like I feel like I've gotten so much more out of it by being just a extremely basic, basic engineer. Like I don't use my home studio for really professional work. I mean like, but I have used it for work. You know, I've like yeah. some of the some of the vocals and parts from the new Alchematic record were cut at my home space, and like
3: which sound insanely awesome, by the yeah, way. Thank
4: you, man. Um, so so just knowing how to get what you need out of your space, it's, I'm stoked for that
3: stuff to come out. And do this so I, oh, okay. like I can't. It's, it's it's gonna. Chris just showed me the other day. I was
0: like, whoa, yeah, yeah sounds great. Oh, just weird.
4: But some of that was cut at the home space. So like having that like that saved me hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Sure. You know, like cutting. Cutting ideas, cutting parts. And, you know, it's, they're, they're parts that aren't, you know, the forefront. So, like, tonally speaking, yeah, for my lead vocals, for my drums, like, all that stuff I want in the highest quality room with high quality mics. But, like, yeah. your background vocals, like, keys went DI. I don't, I don't necessarily need the craziest preamps or things like that. I can, I can cut that. So, so I don't know, man. Like, it's, it's just one of those things. Like, yeah, I, I kind of enjoy it. I, because I've, spend enough time where it's like a bit of it's seriously
3: that you actually enjoy doing that stuff i do it's like
4: you know and it's to me it's like another instrument like i picked up bass as a guitar player and i love playing bass and it's like having another instrument that i'm not great at but good enough at you know it's
0: exactly like that yeah it's just it's another it's another muscle yeah so whenever
4: i'm working on it i do like i learn things i get i get quicker at stuff so like I don't know for me it's 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 a great and, B
3: instrument,
4: you know, C instrument
3: whatever. And that's interesting cuz like to today like being a musician doesn't just mean you're good on your instrument. You have to have your podcast, you have to have your recording studio, you have to have people that you can use for that. Like gosh, dude, what, like with, especially with social media and stuff like that, like you like most of the stuff I've used is just a GoPro and you know maybe some audio from that or from my phone cuz i'm not doing anything professional in, in terms of stuff i'm posting on social media but like how far you can go with that
0: as a musician nowadays like it's it's not enough to just be a killer musician no it's not it's insane and there's a there's a podcast based out of Orlando um this guy uh Chris G he used to be the talent buyer at this place called Back Booth Room uh that we i played at years ago he's a he's a, he's a nice, he's a great guy but more importantly, he's got this wealth of knowledge. He's worked for like huge agencies, and he's you know represented huge artists. And he has a podcast now called Making It with Chris G. And it's, he interviews all kinds of industry people at the highest levels. And he was interviewing um, this A and rep from uh, Capital Records, or forget which label it was, but it was a major label. She was talking about what they're looking for in musicians now, and she said exactly that. She's like, "We're not." You know, it's not enough just to be a great songwriter or Dude. a great band or an artist. She's like, now we want to see multifaceted, uh, you know, artists. So like, let's say... How many followers do you have? Like, like that stuff yeah, that, actually that, becomes a part of the well, question. That's that's the A&R work now. Whereas 30 years ago or 20 years ago, the, the A&R work was going to clubs and checking bands out. Now they're just scrolling TikTok and Instagram. That's More word of mouth to social media. Yeah, totally. And then uh, beyond that, when she was talking about signing people uh, from the labels end of it, she was like, we're looking for artists that have a multifaceted business plan, right? So, you know, if you're an artist and you have another business, then maybe we talk about a piece of that business too coming into play. Because music, on the, on, uh, as far as sales go, is not what it was. So if you want investment, you need to be able to, they need to make sure their investment is protected. So... Let's say you're a musician and like you have a podcast. Well, what's that podcast generating? Yep. Great. Well, let's say you're a great songwriter with a podcast that's doing well. We'll invest in that because we know that we can take 10% of your podcast that's tr- generating X amount of revenue. So if we don't see the return here, at least we're making it up here. Yeah. And it's like, so that's how it's operating now, which is kind of like predatory, but it's also like, I get it because they're, they're investing time and money into something and with no no chance of return. Yeah. Like, And in terms of endorsements too, there's a simple company
3: that I would love to work with, and I've noticed that a lot of the artists they're hiring. It almost seems like, from an outside perspective, it's solely off of YouTube views and subscribers. That's what it is nowadays. How much clout do you have, and how much? Because you know, I mean, and I and I understand that because it's a business thing. If we partnership with you and we give you all this stuff, what can you do for us? How much? How many views? If we give you all this endorsement and we say that you're a artist what are you bringing in for us like that is a partnership and i get that in terms of endorsement but like it's it's just it's just crazy just to think about like even just 2 decades ago that wasn't a thing
0: right well because it, it, back then it was like how many shows a year are you playing and and like how diversified is are the markets that you're playing so are you playing 200 shows a year but like you know in one city Or are you playing 150 shows a year, but like worldwide? Yeah. You know, and then that, if if it's worldwide, that many shows, what kind of venues are you playing? Are, you know, arenas, theaters, clubs, are the clubs selling out? Okay, well then we can talk about an endorsement then. And, you know, but if you're playing arenas, we're giving you free shit. Now, if you're playing sold out clubs around the world, maybe you get 50% off. And if you're playing, you know, regionally at half filled rooms, okay, maybe maybe we uh, give you 10% off. You know, whatever, and we put our name on your web, uh, on the website, yeah. whatever. It's just, it's just like, but nowadays it's like no one cares about the the, the tours anymore because first off, since COVID, that's kind of not yeah, really been, fully been recovered. COVID, yeah, I mean, well, it's a part of it because it hasn't fully no, I'm recovered. No, being serious, yet. it is a part of it. Yeah, you know, and so so people, it's like, well, you have, you know, th- th- this video is getting, I don't know, five million views on TikTok, and you know, a million views on Instagram, and five hundred thousand on YouTube. Well, that's more valuable to me as 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 you know a symbol company or a string company because those are people that will come back and watch it again and again and again versus the people that and you're a musician checking shit out versus people that are going to, to arena shows to listen to the radio most of the time and they don't really care what you're playing. Yeah. So it's like you know whatever twenty thousand people at an arena versus five hundred thousand on YouTube that are musicians watching you that goes a much further way now. You know. Yeah, it,
3: it, uh, and that's
0: crazy to me.
3: Yeah. Dude. I mean, it's 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 kind of what we were talking about earlier. It's one of those things that, again, it's like, man, I put all these hours in I'm practicing, and I'm, um, you know, however you think of yourself as a musician in terms of how you can play and perform and play live and whatever. Like, it's almost one of those things where like it doesn't matter. Like what well, the, like it does matter, but like it's just becoming so much more of like, well, how many TikTok followers and views are you getting and how many Instabook and Facebase and Snapgram, <laughs> you know, view. It's like, God, yeah, who's a
0: 33-year-old in the room right now? Dude, <laughs>
3: Well, like, and, and then like back with time wise our band, like right now, like I'm down to build like the, the the social media presence, but like down the road, like if we can outsource that, dude, I don't give a crap about that. I want to be a musician. And it's the same thing with the recording stuff. I want to be a musician. Yeah. I don't care. I do care, but I don't care about the recording, right? I don't, I don't. I want to be a musician. I want to have the musicality aspect, the recording. That's that. The marketability and the social media stuff. I have a little say in that. I have a vision where it wants to go. You know, I I know what is. I know what works and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But in terms of doing the posts and following up on the DMs and the likes and the snaps, and all all that stuff, I don't care. I want to be a musician.
0: Here's here's the the, the but it's the, important. Here's a silver lining with all this though, is that as a musician an artist whatever you want to call yourself in this industry whatever role you want to play at the end of the day it still has to be about the art and the most successful people are the people that are about the art now whether we can make arguments about you all we want about pop music and whatever the the like with with the the pop world you know the, the 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 product isn't just the music right it's, it's, a, it's a full experience that they're selling. It's a brand that they're selling across the board. So maybe the music isn't like what musicians want to hear, right? But that's not the product that they're selling, right? Music is a part of it, but they're selling a different thing. And they're the best at that. You can't tell me that Katy Perry or Lady Gaga, it, Taylor Swift aren't putting on the best productions in live music today. You just can't tell me that. You know what I mean? And if we're not talking about the quality of the music, we're talking about the the experience you get at the show. Any one of us could walk into one of those shows and walk out like, "God damn, what a production, man!" wasn't sure. e- That was an experience. In, in terms of a live setting, you mean? That's what I'm saying. Okay, yeah. yeah. And 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 that's all. That's I'm that's so. And there's well, so many so many artists. Ed Sheeran, there's so
3: many pop artists you can put in that category. Totally. It's like musically, I don't get. That doesn't. That's what I'm saying. It's nothing to us
0: now. That, but the point being that they're the best at what they do, right? Now, as as a musician. You're not trying to be Lady Gaga. She's she's the the main attraction. She's the, she is the brand that people are buying into. And she's
3: doing jazz stuff, jazz stuff now, which I kind of appreciate.
0: Yeah, go, a great. And she's person. actually kind of talented. She's
3: very talented. No, she's very talented. She's a- before I didn't think she, had, you know, auto tune and all that production value stuff. It's like okay, but now she started doing. it. I'm like, oh, okay, this is what you sound like with auto tune. You can yeah. actually sing and actually have an idea of what's
0: going on. Like, Mo- oh, okay. Most of them can, man. Most of them, the auto tune they throw in everything now. It doesn't really matter. It can be perfect. They still throw. it That's just kind of like the standard. Yeah, like, exactly. It's just understood that that's what's gonna exactly. Now that being said. We look at comedians and the most successful ones are the ones that that are not for the most part. They're, they're exceptions, but even the ones that are that are focused on on the business side and the marketing side, whatever. They're still hilarious. The ones that are that successful, right? Sure. So like some, some examples that I would I would use are like Shane Gillis, dude, Mark no- Normand. like these guys, you are, like, you like Theo Vaughn. I like Theo Vaughn, bro. <laughs> I love Theo Vaughn.
4: You <laughs> <laughs> look you look like you like Theo Vaughn.
3: Yeah, I like right, chill. I like <laughs> Crystalia and I like Theo Vaughn, bro. Those are my, you look my like favorites. you like Christy too. Right, no
0: problem. So so <laughs> <laughs> um, I like other ones too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but those are my two favorite. Those are your two favorites. Man. Who's <laughs> your? Who's some of your favorite comedians? Shane Gillis is my number one right now. Really, I love him. Uh, Mark Norman's really funny. Yes. I, um. Those are those are guys that I would use. As, I mean, uh, uh Sam Morril is hilarious. Yes. Uh, I mean, who's that guy we were talking about the other day, Chris? Uh, uh
3: his dude, name's Chris.
4: Chris, uh, Chris Stefano, Stefano. Oh, Chris Stefano, dude, <laughs> he's great. With a yeah. uh,
3: Sal Vucano from *Impractical Jokers*. Yeah, that hey, podcast is. Oh. Hey, babe. Yeah. Hey,
0: babe is so. E. Are so, you so That's some good stuff. Added that. So let's, sorry, didn't mean to subtract you. Not at all. Not at I all. I love but I love comedy. I love comedians. Yeah, me too. It's 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 my passion outside of music. Just, to, just and they're to kind consume. of in a similar realm than. Uh, that's why it's fun for me to watch. Is I, I can watch it and appreciate the full scope without getting anxiety because I'm not doing the same things. I'm not a comedian. Right? Feel that. So it's like, well, when I listen to music podcasts. I get anxiety because I'm like, I get all of it. and I'm getting anxiety because I'm not where you're at right now. But like with comedians, I don't need to be where you're at my comedian, but I get it though. It's right? relatable, but not exactly. It's that. So within that realm of it, you know, to me, the people that are, that, that are finding huge success are Guys like Shane Gillis and Mark Normand, you know, Theo Vaughn, guys are just really about the comedy, Dude. right? You're not seeing them like, like, like changing Genuinely the game funny. Uh, uh, on the marketing and promo side or social media. Side. You're just seeing them do the standard, but they because all they care about is the comedy. On the other end of that, you got Andrew Schultz, who is fucking hilarious, but then is also such a brilliant marketing guy, yes. right? So he's the full package, but you don't need to be that to be successful. You know, if you, if you if you just commit, to what you care about, which is the art, your art form, then and you, and 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 you you got to use the social media, you got to you got to play the game a little bit, but like minimum effort on that side and just be good. But is he is he the marketing man like? Andrew Schultz. Yes. He, he's a visionary. Yeah, yeah. Now he or is his
3: management slash. No, 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 it's, it's, he, it's okay. It's I don't know. It, I'm, I'm truly it's asking. Him.
0: It's yeah. all. I follow this guy. I watch him like a hawk because I appreciate him that much.
3: So he doesn't. Ha- he's not outsourcing
0: that he's, he's outsourcing. Com- he he outsources the editing stuff, right? Like, like, but not, the
4: well, he keeps that in house. He's in house,
0: right? He's got te- he, he, he he employs people, right?
3: I feel like Trevor Wallace, yeah. you know, Trevor Wallace. Yeah. I feel like he's kind of in that not in that same ballpark, but
0: kind of like well he's, he's not he hasn't been around long enough yet, but he's true, on that he's true. on that track, yeah, for yeah. sure.
3: Okay. I'm following uh, what you're saying.
0: Yeah. So so Andrew Schultz is the head of the he's a CEO of his organization, right? Now the content that's created and uh, he, he what he's done he's is he, he he keeps his people close, he delegates responsibility. At the end of the day, what gets put out is what he signs off on and he's explaining to people what he wants they, they they make it happen he approves it it's good to go now there's a lot of things happening there first off as a leader great delegator that's amazing um, as a visionary he he knows how to get people to do to, to he knows how to create actionable content actionable content is something that engages the, the viewer yeah. so like the thing he did it's a on, response exactly yeah. what he did on Instagram what like two years ago with, with his uh with his with his like you know one minute rants on IGTV when that was still a thing, the whole thing was like you'd be scrolling, you see him, he starts to rant. He's like, okay, now turn your he tells turn your phone sideways so he can use that you uh, the, the, uh, the 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 nine sixteen ratio format. Yep. So that people so people have to turn, and now they're now they're engaged because they, they made they they committed they turned. Yeah. And then he goes on a, like a comedy rant on a perspective on something crazy you know whatever it is, and then it's like all of a sudden. It was like he, he became like this thing. It was like that was his idea, right? And made it happen. It's like what a That's brilliant cool. thing. Something as simple as making somebody do something to, to, to consume your thing. And p- it makes people buy in. So he's brilliant on that end. But you don't need to be that. If, you just, if, if he loves that shit, as much as he loves the comedy, he loves that, right? You can just love the art. And all you have to do is put your product, make it visible in the marketplace. The marketplace is social media like you're saying do videos like record put yourself out there you have to compete in the marketplace like the social media game yeah it's a game it's a game it is that you have to and, and the, these days you have to compete but you don't need to make it all about that you can still be all about the art yeah and and, and the most successful people are about the art i don't know that's my take on, on, on all that stuff I, I, and i agree oh yeah i agree what
4: a crazy bottom line news
0: you guys want to do some unpopular opinions yeah well, yeah. Yes. Uh. Let's fucking do it. Yes. Uh. All right. What you got, Chris? All right.
4: Uh, let's keep this whole... Let's keep it spicy. Um, Here we go. I think gatekeepers in... Oh, and, oh, uh, <laughs> and like the music sense in the industry are an overall positive thing for the industry. Um, I... It sounds a little harsh. It sounds a little, I don't know, but
3: have you been it, called a gatekeeper before Chris? Oh, definitely not.
4: Don't come to my jams
0: um, oh, Lord, I'm or nursing. do Monday nights at perfect Rack starting. What date is it? Uh, April 3rd. Oh, uh, This will be every party, coming so. Monday. Well, every other well, Monday. Well, yeah,
4: so take don't come next week. We won't be there, but then the week after
0: that. Okay, well, d- but maybe come next week because we, this is not airing before April 3rd. Check, so.
4: check the perfect rack jam uh, Look Instagram at your page yeah. and we have its own do Instagram. Calendar. Anyway, um, so, what so you, gate gatekeepers, man. Um, gatekeepers, huh? It's I think don't set the barrier of entry ridiculously high. Don't keep you know. Don't actively persuade people from doing it. But it's I like it in the sense of almost keeping certain things relatively pure. Like uh, almost it's it might be like if you look at blues or reggae or something like that. Like there's a certain level of authenticity in these genres that can kind of get washed away when everyone does it and it's I think you know like the term it it really kind of does keep this uh you know kind of sat I mean every market's going to get a little saturated this and that but there's if it's if it's not looked at as such a negative thing and it's more of like oh this is just someone who's like trying to keep this thing alive in its authentic original form like I think it could almost be like a positive I don't I don't know that it needs to be such a negative term overall but that's a pretty radical way of looking at that term (laughs) so So, what y'all think
3: i'm trying to unpack what you're saying so are you saying that gate i'm trying to unpack it so So like you're saying that gate gatekeepers have a negative connotation to it and you're in general yeah in general
4: i think like i think they're a good thing for music at the end of the day like definitely can be yeah in in a certain thing now and that depends on the gatekeeper there's a exactly there's a stipulation to that like You know, there's some there's some people out there that'll say, "Oh, you you can never cut it. You you shouldn't give it a shot. You can't do this." I think if it's more like, "Hey, man, don't use your you know, boss katana on a blues gig, or don't use your metal zone pedal." Is that a
3: gatekeeper? Is that just common sense?
4: Depends on who you ask, and (laughs) depends on the day. I don't know if you if like I said, if the if the barrier of entry is relatively low. Um, I think it could be like a good like almost almost like someone that's like kind of subtly trying to guide you more than just be like a
0: dick and not. It's a necessary evil. Sure. Yeah. You know, and I also
3: think it's just your depends on man, everybody's definition is going to be different. But I just think I think it depends on your definition of what is a gatekeeper, because like what you just mentioned for me personally. OK, that's not a gatekeeper. That's common sense. So or, I think or a mentor, maybe. Sure. So I think. I mean, no matter who we ask this question to or who we pose this, you know, debate, quote unquote, to, I think it the first thing you have to start off with anything is what is your true definition of a gatekeeper? And for everybody, based on their perspective, that's going to be different.
0: I, mean, I, th- I think it's a pretty objective definition. I think that. Gatekeepers are people that that are the barrier to entry to the to wherever you're, you're trying to be. So you know, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, if you want to get into a real recording studio and produce and and, and produce a real record, you need to have label support because number one, they had the f- finances. Number two, they had access to all the best uh, recording studios, and you weren't going to get in there unless you had the money, sure, which you couldn't afford at that time. Yeah. Uh, and then on top of that they're working with the agencies and the management companies and the PR companies and the marketing companies and uh, at a certain level, they're all working within this, this, you know, I forget what the number was, but there's, there's a few hundred people, you know, musicians, artists, and then people working with the subsequent in- industries of that. Let's say a couple thousand people total in the world. that are operating at this one level. Now, um, in the world of gatekeepers, in order to get access to the top resources to, to see the ultimate success financially and otherwise, you need to be able to get approved by the people that are at the top of the game. What's happening nowadays is that you can produce pop quality music for, for almost nothing and then you can go on the platforms uh, you know, you can use any distri- whatever, CD Baby, DistroKid, whatever you want. And you can distrib- you can distribute it across every streaming platform in the world in uh, a click of a button. Whereas 30 years ago, you needed to have somebody who had access to real distribution that had the end to all the record shops, yeah. CD stores around. So those are the gatekeepers. So you know?
4: in that context, yeah.
0: Okay. And I think in,
4: there's different there's different gatekeepers in each and and like. A live music context, a studio recording context, uh, it, within genres—it it all know. feeds each other. Again, sure. rep-
0: representation, agents, management that work on the live music side—you know, with booking gigs and 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 negotiating contracts—that's all tied in. To, I agree to the sure. same thing. Sure. You know. So, so yeah. in
3: terms of being dogmatic here, you answer on your your four gatekeepers. Um, Just being dogmatic, yeah, like a I, yes or no, yes or no question. If I'm,
0: Yeah, I think that it's a necessary evil because what's happening. Now, it's like Spotify is gonna, talking about charging people that aren't generating X amount of revenue uh, just to be on the platform. Yeah. And it's like, well, what, th- that's happening because we're just letting anyone upload. It's 100,000 uploads a day to Spotify. Yeah. That's insane, right? And a lot of it's dog shit and a lot of good shit gets buried because of it, right? Yeah. So if you have I'm, people that kind of can help regulate that, then maybe it's not a bad thing, but there, there needs to be more diversity, within the elite group that gets to decide that, right? You can't just be like, this is a status that you need to be at if you want to write a record. Well, okay, but there's different tiers of this shit, right? We're all trying to accomplish different things. Sure. And, okay, so that's the, okay.
3: I, there's just so many different ways we can approach this. So, okay, let's just water it down real quick to maybe more of a terms on, like, let's just, okay, let's look at it in the Jacksonville scene, which we're all very, very, very familiar with. In terms of the gatekeepers, maybe in the open jam scene, the gig scene in Jacksonville, because obviously what we just talked about is big picture. We're talking about Spotify, we're talking about recording, this, that, and the other, record companies. Um, just to bring it back to Jacksonville, in terms of gatekeepers, what would you say? Like, how? What's your opinion on gatekeepers in terms of the gig economy in Jacksonville? Well,
0: the problem in Jacksonville is that there's there, you know, there's not a diversity. There's no competition here, so so whoever is who, whoever's running whoever's making decisions at that, at that level can set no, no competition the, in what way? Can you impact that? Well, as far as like on, on, on the representation side for, for bands and artists, you have people that they can just set whatever standard okay. they yeah, want. Okay. And then I no, what you're saying. Yeah. And, and no one's going to compete with that because they're the only game in town, right? Maybe yes. one or two other people, but that's not enough to compete to, to set a real competitive market. Then with the jams, right? It's like, well, okay, there's a lot of jams around town. So that I do believe that there is more access to, to, to those um you know, to, to the opportunity to get up there and play with people. Like like that, because you have Monday nights at at nineteen oh four. Now Chris is doing his thing at perfect crack. You have Tuesday nights at Flies and then uh YP's, then you have Wednesday nights at Southern Grill. Like there's a jam, there's multiple jams happening every single night of the week in Jacksonville, right? Okay. Um
3: I, I wanna this is kind of a sidebar but i love talking to other musicians about this so what's your opinion on jams so i'll I'll talk for me personally so like it's obviously me and chris and kp were doing the jam at perfect rack and to be completely honest jams are not my thing um if i'm truly how do i want to say this there's many different ways i can say this so in my personal opinion jams are for a couple things the main thing is to be to, to, to go and network so if I'm a musician and I need work, the first place, I'm, and I work at a lot of schools with all the other young musicians that mm-hmm. are teaching, and a lot of the questions I get from these young FSCJ, UNF, JU, Jazz Cats, Music Cats, they say, Hamby, you know, where should I go to pick up work? I say, go to the jams, dude, go to the jams. So the jams are great for networking, getting, picking up work. The second thing I think jams are good for would be your listening skills. Right. You're calling out tunes that maybe not everybody knows. Your listening skills have to be on point. And if they're not, guess what? Going to the jams over and over is gonna make that happen. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, A, I'm I'm not really seeking at work in that way. Like I've I've made my connections. I'm 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 very busy. And then B, you know, in terms of my listening skills, I'm getting that Monday through Sunday. Through the bands I'm playing with, the rehearsals, this, that, and the other, through my students, jams are cool. Don't get me wrong, and they have their place in time. But for me, as a musician, in terms of where I'm at with my business, it's it's kind of a waste of time. Like I'd rather sit at home and practice. And I think personally, I for me, this is a this is opinion. This is something that's subjective, not objective. For me, you know, I get I get invited to a lot of the jams, and sometimes I truly want to go. Like um, our bass player Justin. And time-wise, he just started a jam not too long ago over at where's it at, Chris? At Rain Dogs. At Rain Dogs, and he's playing with what is it LPTs? Uh,
4: it's Mylon Allgood on drums, Angel Garcia on keys, uh, and Bryant Patterson on bone.
3: So okay. insane players, and I love my boy Justin, and that's a jam I would truly want to go check out. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to get your take on. I know we're kind of gearing away from the whole gatekeeper thing, but what's what's your take on the jam, the jam?
0: World. Well, I think it plays a few different things. I mean, the networking and the practice as a musician is obviously great, um, depending on- So you on,
3: agree on that aspect?
0: Yeah, as far as what, you know, depending on the jam, but yeah, they definitely sure. can be, <laughs> yeah. you know. They definitely <laughs> depending can. On the jam. Yeah, I mean, they, they definitely can be though. Um, yes. But, you know, beyond that, I think um, supporting, uh, and I'm guilty of this not going enough because, you know, we get busy and sometimes you just need some downtime, yeah. especially earlier in the week when when your weekends are, are stacked with with gigs and stuff. And then
3: you get a Monday night off and you're and like, dude, I I'm wanna. trying to chill not
0: play more music. Right, right. Yeah. Um, that being said, I think it's important to support the jams because it helps to build a community. Um, and I think that um, it's also just good as a musician to be able to connect with your, con- to, with, with your peers on, on, like a, on a friend level and build relationships on a friend level. Um, Absolutely. We can, we can call it networking if we want, but that to me, that's beyond networking. Networking is like trying to establish connections and make contacts or whatever on, on a strictly transactional uh, level. But um, I think that it's important, because you know this industry is so, is so quick and, and things are fleeing and opportunities come and go. And I think that it's important that we establish real relationships, meaningful relationships with people outside of a gig or outside of a studio whatever whatever like sure. outside of a working relationship yeah. and a, and a jam is kind of like should be looked at as as a local watering hole Absolutely. where we can all go and just catch up you know maybe maybe we play maybe we don't but like we get to hang out with our friends we talk about what's going on with us and like just you know establish just real connections with 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 other musicians cuz like you know in the world of entertainment uh, show business whatever whether you're an actor musician or whatever it might be you know these these relationships are often just so transactional, and and it jades people and it waters down the art as a whole. I think that I as agree. artists we we need real connection in order to, to to create good art, and I think that's that that helps all of it. You know,
3: I agree. The, I mean, when I when I do show up to the YPS jam or I filled in a couple of times the 1904 jam, I've been to, you know, as we all have, I've been to a lot of the jams. I'm not downplaying the jams as, as you just said. It's in, it's insanely great for all those things you yeah. just mentioned. And it's also a lot of fun. Like, yeah, I'm not trying to sit here and be like, oh, I don't like jams. It's not fun. It's a waste of time. Just for me personally, where I'm at, I'd rather sit at home and truly, truly practice. Yeah, totally. But do you a t- night off? Yeah, you know? or, or that, yeah. dude. Monday, Tuesday, that's my night off. I got done teaching literally all day. I'm trying my night off. Right. But the times I do go out, I'm not trying to water that down. I have a lot of fun playing with KP and whoever it is I'm playing with. And... um, yeah, the times I do I go out and, and jam, and I, I'm trying to make it out to Justin's jam at Rain Dogs, it's it's all fun, and it is a nice time to just have and not be transactional. Here's the money, here's what we're going promote promoted, this that, and the other, and all the business aspects. It's like, hey, we're just gonna hang out, just have, have, a, have a real,
0: just have a real connection with somebody and a musician who gets what, what what you're going through. Yeah, you know what I mean, and that's important. It's, you know, I'm 33 now, you know, and 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 friends and like genuine relationships are are harder and harder to come by. So as I get older, I'm, I start to value the ones that I do have a lot more and I make more time for it. And I think so, some of the closest friends that I have now are musicians and it is because of going to jams and because, you know, and, and through those, those jams, sometimes they come and support a show that I'm at or whatever, and then yeah. we see each other. Or sometimes it's just like, hey, man, what are you doing? You know, on this day, do you want to get together and just jam and just like hang out and or grab lunch or whatever? And it's like sure. you do, and then all of a sudden it's like, like you're talking to them about personal shit and you're talking yeah, about man. Just, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, we're friends. Like this is, yeah. I find myself like texting you when I'm, you know, at home on a, on a random night, just like, oh, check this. I saw this today or we're not just doing business. Exactly. And, and, all that. Yeah. And, 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 to, and that connection is so valuable, especially with, with musicians, because we're the only people that are going to understand what the other one's going through on any real kind of level, you know?
3: 'Cause we've either been through it or we're gonna go, we're through, gonna it. go through it.
0: Yeah, exactly.
3: <laughs> Chris, what's your take on the jam things? I know you've been a liaison over at 1904 for a, a good bit.
4: Man, like, you know, I've been I've been a host now at 1904 for like close to two, three years, yeah. and like we're about to step into another host role and like I think all the above what both you guys have said about going to jams as like, you know, a jammer and just like a patron is spot on. Like it's it is good to just go and kick it. And, you know, maybe play, maybe not. But, like, as a host, like, a step further is, like, it's a really rewarding way to give back. Like, mm-hmm. as a musician, I'm, you know, it's kind of like a self-serving career in a sense. Like, yeah, I'm making art, and people may or may not like it, whatever. They can consume it. But, like, there's it's it's a lot of me making art and surviving and, like, making it a business and this and that. But, like, hosting a jam is like a way for me to directly just give back to the community that put me on and brought me up. Like I can, now with Perfect Rack, I'm starting a jam in the same room that yeah. I got my legs in. Like yeah, I, yeah. that room, I went to that jam probably for a year straight every single week. And like those guys there will attest that, that I was, I was a staple, not getting paid. I just wanted to be out there, meet the players, learn the tunes, get the hang. So like, and they they like took me under their wing. They were all mentors to me. Like it was, it was one of the most valuable things you know outside of like music school that I ever did. Yeah. So it, yeah, and so just in short, you know, it, for me, it's super rewarding to just give back in a way that I can actually give back.
3: You know. And in turn, like yeah. So this like with the the perfect rack jam, this is gonna be my first time hosting a jam. I'm only 24. Like so, in terms of that, I've, I was talking to Chris the other night. After one of our rehearsals, I think it was for time-wise. I'm super stoked on on that aspect and just getting super connected with the scene in Jacksonville. The networking and all that stuff, like it I think the the mentality that comes with hosting a jam as opposed to just showing up and playing a couple of tunes with a band or just by yourself, that's two completely different things. My mentality on hosting a jam is completely different than my mentality on just showing up in a jam and playing tunes. I'm, I'm, what I was talking about previously is more or less the mentality of I'm just going to show up to KP's jam at YP's and just play a couple of tunes. Like I, for me personally, just showing up and doing that, I personally do not get much out of that. Right. Right. I'm rehearsing with those guys four or five times a week, literally, right. that, literally that band. Most of the bands in the Jacksonville scene, I'm playing with those guys and rehearsing with those guys. But in terms of being a liaison for a jam, that's a whole new mentality, which I'm very, 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 very excited about. Like one of my favorite things is meeting me new musicians or even old musicians, and them just throwing me tunes. Yeah, throwing me tunes. I'm getting their I'm getting their number, and like you said, like oh, come to find out, six months later, we're actually friends. Yeah, and we actually can connect in a way that's other than financial, business,
0: gig mentality. Like well, it happens on the on the same. Side of just going to support a jam, you know, and that's why I said it's important to, you know, to distinguish like which jam you're going to. Mm. Maybe the YP's jam for you because you know all the guys running it is like not the one, but maybe there's there's another one where there's a lot of great players that you might not know about, and then you go there Dude. And, you, and you get pushed, and you and you you're, you you become aware of a new scene in, that that exists here, and then also, you know, maybe you establish some connections, and those connections turn into real relation. the The overall thing is that it's important to like. Obviously, if you're running a jam, that's a very important part of, of creating the opportunity for people to come in, get their chops up, You know, figure out what it's like to be a, a, in a gig kind of setting. But furthermore, it's, it's important to support it, too, because that's how those opportunities get created is only if people show up. Yes. And, and add, you know, you know, financial value to the bar and then the community value to uh, to, to, to the scene, you know. Yeah. So I, I
3: want to say I want to say one more quick thing. And this is something I told Chris and many others before um, the Blue Jay, the Blue oh, Jay yes. Jazz Jam. Who is that? Stefan on drum? Yeah. On oh, drums.
0: yeah. Fucking uh, um, and then uh Stan, Stan Piper, Piper on bass.
4: Kenny Hamilton. So yeah. so quick Unreal. story,
3: quick story on that. Pro- this is probably man. This is probably two years ago. Um, when I first started getting into the scene of gigging and playing music as a profession, I, I think I've told Chris this before. I used to go to Blue Jay on Tuesday nights by myself. I would sit there. I'd have a notepad, and I'd sit there and I'd sit in the back of the room, hoodie up, notepad, and I would literally. I just used to take notes on Stefan. I think he's the. I think he's the best drummer in Jackson. Yeah, probably. I think he's. I don't have a I problem saying a, that. I think he's a. Dude, that kid's insane, man. God bless that kid. And I, I i haven't even met that kid. You know, and I'm, I'm just talking from I've listened to him. I li- I'm dead ass. I used to go to Blue Jay with a hoodie and a notepad and just sit in the back of the room and take notes on him. Yeah, I like mean, there's he, so much to learn. He, he, ju- not just from him, but the players he's playing with, too. Like it's. I mean, him
0: and Stan Piper are probably the greatest jazz rhythm section. Um, I would probably I would, I would give him the state of Florida. Maybe maybe more. I would. You know what I mean? I like, would. Uh, and, and in terms
3: of in terms of their age, like we're, we can talk about John Lumpkin and Ulysses, as, you know, those cats are older. I'm talking about the young cats, dude. That's in, they're, they're an insane well, musicianship.
0: And like, yeah, and, and just and like as individual players, yes. But like t- together, like that unit right there together like that, that is unheard of. I, I've, I, I did a I, I played a Jazz Fest one year with Parker Urban. It was part me. Parker Urban hired me for his scenario for his like uh, setup that he had. So it was Parker Urban. Me, Stan Piper on bass, and Stefan on drums. Sheesh. And what a pain. What I a mean, group, bro. Th- this was like four or five God years ago. Bless. Probably four or five years. Yeah, four or five years ago, something, something like that. I just didn't know what to do up there. you know. And, and like, I can confidently say that I bombed on that gig because it was like, first off, it was just being so um, taken back by how. Like just Stan and and Stefan just know each other Dude. like that, and John was. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It just yeah. It's, it it's, does. It's, it's one of those things that doesn't make sense. It's like they they just. I don't. I I don't. At that time, I wasn't ready for that. And 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 John. No, one, no one's ready. For yeah, it, and John was it's on insane. fire. You know what I mean? I'm just like I don't fucking know. Like why am I here, guys? Like. Had those gigs, yeah. See, like I don't need to be like, thank you for the opportunity, but like, why am I here? Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. now if if if, 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 I I can confidently say that if it was now, I'd feel much more comfortable stepping in that scenario. but you know, there was a lot going. I was new to Jacksonville still. Right, there's a lot of people there. It's a bigger stage. I'm playing with fucking like the top guys yeah. in like the, in Jacksonville, they, they could be the top guys anywhere, right? And then, like, I, I still don't, don't don't fully know them yet. And I'm trying to, there's so much going on in my head, right? And I am yeah. just like, man, this is not working out for me. Yeah. Um. So, you know, but yeah, they're, they're, they're the best. So I get why you studied that. Chris, would you say that's the, I mean, I'm, uh, I don't want to say this. You're the best.
3: You're the best. 1904 is the best, but like, not, but blue Jay, bro.
4: I mean, like, if you're looking like Come strictly on, Bubba. at a For certain, jazz. Level, yeah. I mean, okay, like a, okay, yeah. yeah.
3: Let's be let's be specific. I mean, With if you're looking, yeah.
4: I mean, if you're looking at like conversational based music, you know, at, actually, I mean, like between that and the um the other jam at 1904, the the three, the band, the mm, ones, uh, blue Jay. Mm. yeah. At, what did I say? Oh yeah, um, at yeah, blue, at blue Jay, Jay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, like. That is another, I mean, it's a different genre, but like, sure, sure. I mean, those guys in Mofro have a, just some of the tightest conversations just by nature of them being in a band together. But like, I, yeah, I'm honestly Blue Jay hosts those two Jay I should right have there. prefaced
3: that with specifically talking about jazz because I get off to jazz. But oh,
4: night. I mean, in terms of jazz, yeah, there's <laughs> uh, what a conversation. And
3: like and Anton I mean, said, I, I would throw that up on the state of Florida.
4: Yeah. Uh, honest yeah, to God.
3: Yeah. I, like I would throw that up on the state. I would throw that up in the I mean, I don't know, the South, but like definitely the state of Florida. Like yeah. that, that jam is an insane. That's an one know? we talked about a lot of different steps you should take. Um, and once again, preaching to the choir. A lot of steps that you can take to get good on drums, music, maybe just life in general. Go to the go to the damn Blue Jay Jam and just sit there and listen. Yeah, totally. Just be a good listener and listen, and you'll just just be a sponge. And that's what we talked about earlier. Like, Once you're a student, you're always a student. You should always be a sponge. Even when you're 60 years old and you're a virtuoso piano player and you're still practicing two, three hours a day, you should be a sponge. And that guy I was talking about earlier still is. He's always listening. And I I just think Blue Jay Jam. I love the 1904 jam. I love all the jams. But that Blue Jay Jam in terms of jazz is just insane, dude. They got some killer cats over there. Oh,
0: yeah, totally.
3: What's your unpopular opinion? (laughs) My unpopular opinion is that Primus is... A legendary band unless Claypool
0: is a legendary bass player. That's your unpopular opinion. Yes. That's pretty popular. I feel like most. Really? People, I think most people. Could, would. I feel like most people hate that, Chris. Hold, I on, mean, let get, he, hold on, let me get you Chris's opinion. Yeah. He knows.
4: Been, he knows I'm not the biggest Primus fan.
3: Like.
0: I think Primus and, is insanely talented. I'm not a Primus fan either, but that's not to say that they're not so, like the most, some of the most creative and talented people in, on. Like out there doing well, it. Well, I don't know how
3: unpopular I want to go, but that was my unpopular opinion. Because a lot of musicians I talk to, it's a, in my personal, it's a love hate relationship.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, totally. There's a lot of people that don't like them, but I don't know that I don't know that anybody can say that they're not good or they're not like like talented. Oh man, I don't like people that yeah, hate like, them. Like, no, I, I like I like a level of I respect,
4: not, you know, and like, but I I can say that I don't like them,
3: you know, but yeah. I do
4: hold a level of like respect for their creativity Maybe I and phrase my unpopular opinion. Uh,
3: yeah, I love Primus. Yeah, <laughs> so let me let me phrase it that way. I, yeah. I love Primus. I love they've got a couple of drummers. I love all their drummers. I think Les Claypool is the way that he plays bass in terms of me being a drummer. I love it. He yeah. plays like a damn drum. Yeah, dude. he's
0: very percussive. Yeah. He plays very
3: percussively. And so I once again, bringing up my brother, I, I, I showed my brother a couple of their tunes and my brother has. Damn near perfect pitch. He doesn't have perfect pitch, but he has pretty close. So in terms of musicality, he's more focused with his perfect pitch on the melodies and the harmonies and what's going on in that realm. Well, primers doesn't got a whole lot of that going. They got a lot of percussive, percussive rhythmic ideas going on. So I I showed him a couple songs, and he's asking me, "Okay, where's the chorus?" Yeah. And the (laughs) chorus is literally just an insane syncopated like riff. And so he wasn't really getting off to it that very much, but as a drummer, I love and even I mean I'm not into the men- the melodies and the harmonies as much as like other people are, but I love the dissonance that Les Claypool can get off the bass with the tri. He does a lot of tritones, yeah. he does a lot of minor seconds, a lot of uh, he does a lot of dissonance. I just love how
0: rhythmically percussive that project totally, is. Totally, man. I mean that that's that's where you have to like for me. There's a lot of stuff that I that I don't connect with on like you know at a level where you know for first and foremost if I if I love a a, like a project like a band um, I have to like the the music has to hit me beyond like uh, a cerebral level right so would you
3: you say that you're that you okay
0: okay, what's just let me phrase this what's your opinion on Primus I think that they are um, immensely creative and I think that they are all so talented Um, the music doesn't hit me in any kind of way you know what yeah. I mean? It's the same way that I feel about like a lot of, you know, a lot of like metal stuff. Not all of it, but a lot of it where it's just like, it's, it's, I can appreciate the technical ability, Dude, you know, yeah. the, 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 the thought that went into the arrangements and, and, you know, and all that, but like, it doesn't hit me. Right. I don't know what it is. But I don't think anybody can describe what, what it is about any song or, or sure. band yeah. that hits them. Right. It's just, it's a spiritual thing. It hits you on that level. You connect with it. Some of the simplest, most boring shit is what I connect with. Some of the most complicated, out there shit I connect with. It just—it just depends. And Primus, I, you know, I, I just nothing's ever hit me from them, you know. So, but I give them all the credit in the world. They're super talented, you know, and super creative. I love—I love people that push the envelope, you know. Yeah,
3: Chris, you want to give? I know we've talked about this, Chris. You want to give your little quick opinion on? Uh, yeah, Primus?
4: it's, you know, it's again, it's <laughs> like a massive respect thing. I, you know, for what they've. You know, creating art for art's sake is really what I look at Primus as. And, like, I just think that's so important for, like, the art community as a whole, specifically music as well. Like, just being able to create whatever comes to your mind and putting it out. Like, not worrying about, you know, general public reaction, industry reaction, all that good stuff. So, like, yeah, you know, in that regard, I think they're awesome But there is just so much music out there that I've just been, I've just kind of gravitated toward like a a different thing. Sure. I I do know the one of my favorite things is we sit down and look at music together all the time. And when we first had the Primus conversation, I'll never forget you showing me like a 20 minute long video of someone breaking down all of Les Claypool's bass lines. Oh, I remember. And like, was like, no, I'm going to prove to you with science why this is the best bass player (laughs) in the world. I, I can, I can appreciate it, man. Like he's got, he's got dude, He exact. He's got like an unreal feel, like an unreal technique. Uh, but it's like Anton said, everything just hits people in a certain way. That's not really quantifiable. And it just, yeah, slightly missed me a little bit. Okay. Okay. So just one
3: more, one more quick thing on the primus thing. So I think one of the main reasons I I truly respect primus other than their, other than their musicality is because of their resemblance to rush Mm. in the sense that So I grew up on Rush. My dad was a huge Rush fan. Neil Peart is basically the reason I got into drums. As a kid, every kid wants to impress their dad. I couldn't do it through sports or baseball. I kind of could, but I could really do it through, hey, Dad, I learned Tom Sawyer. I'm 16 years old. Fuck yeah. Check this out. So in the sense of that, I respect Primus in the sense that they don't sell out. They don't want to do what's popular or what's going to sell or what's going to give them the most views on Tic Tac, as I call it. Tic Tac. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and the Rush did the same thing. Yeah. It, it, through the however many years, I've am been the biggest Rush fan, dude. I can't stress that enough. But Rush never did what was popular. Rush never did what the record label... Dude, Rush had battles with the record label, what was popular, what they wanted them to do. But the musicality was the same. They did what they wanted to do. Right, they stayed true to themselves. And you call them popular, unpopular. There was pop. There was times, you know, I mean, obviously with, you know, moving pictures... You know, Tom Sawyer, Red Barchetta, YYZ, all those. That was their biggest album, 1984. But there was a lot of albums, Grace Under Pressure, the A's and stuff like that, where they were very unpopular, but they did what they wanted to do. And I saw, I mean, yeah, Primus covered, uh, what was the album? That, Farewell to Kings. Farewell to Kings, which I missed in St. Augustine. I want to see. I wanted to see. But in the sense, I feel like as an artist that I really respect Primus is the same reason I respect Rush, be, Rush because they, they did what they wanted to do. Yeah. They didn't sell out. And it's a lot true. of artists these days are just selling out.
0: Yeah. A lot
3: of artists, dude. Yeah. And totally. A lot of pop artists. Like, like, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, like another artist I really used to love and appreciate was Coldplay. Yeah. After, dude, Milo Zylotow from then on, horrible. They, it just became a pop band. They were a sellout, in my opinion. They became a pop band and they were a sell But are like it? their old
0: albums were good. Are they selling out or are they buying in? I don't know. The whole guy, we can go down that rabbit. I know. I, I know. know.
3: I just wanted to add that one thing. Yeah, I think mean, yeah. that's why I like Primus. I,
0: I get you though. Yeah. There's there's a commitment to the art that, that you have to appreciate. And I, I, love I it. and I love that. Yeah. People are pushing it. the envelope creatively and the commit I had like on that on that on those grounds alone I respect and it, it and that's that's utmost respect I think and I
3: think that's why one of the main reasons I like them yeah
0: I I can I can appreciate that for sure hell yeah um all right so my unpopular opinion is that musicians using iPads to perform are fucking lame (laughs) oh shit Chris (laughs) Chrissy court now here's here's now here's
4: no lay it all out come on
0: here's no I love you Chris here's the caveat okay if you're a gigging musician a hired gun playing in Multiple ensembles throughout the week, month, year, whatever. Chris, um, then that's akin to using charts, uh, you know, with with a, you know, on a music stand, whatever. That, sure. That that doesn't bother me so much. But now, if you're playing the same set list, yes, every what, single night. What are you doing? And why don't you know these tunes yet? What? It, and and it's like and it, it's like it's like.
3: And you're not. And, and
0: also, guess what? You're not learning new you're, tunes. You're not. You're not. You're, you're not retaining anything. You're just. Because you know outsourcing. that's the same. That's
3: the same box, right? Yeah. The people that are doing using, using the core charts I and know. playing the same set list are not learning new yeah, tunes. Yeah,
0: they're not. I no, it. I know. And they, and, they, and, they, and, they, and there's no retention. Oh. There's no retention happening. None. You, 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 Zero. It's it's like it's like you're just outsourcing your your memory and your ability to memorize in general. Now. Um, but a lot of those people, like we talked about earlier,
3: are okay with that. I know in it's our, complacency in our,
0: thing. It's the whole thing we talked about. You know, that it all circles back. Now, which I can't stand. Yeah. Now, <laughs> if, if you're somebody that is very um, familiar and on top of the current pop trends as far as music goes, then I can understand keeping one on deck if someone requests a song. that Maybe you've never played before, but you know it, right? Absolutely. Now, that's one thing. But that's not what I'm seeing all the time. What I'm seeing a lot of the time are people just, all right, guys, I'm doing this song. Here's the set. What, are
3: you, Dude,
0: what are you doing, bro? What are you doing? And why? Just don't. Maybe do something else with your time then. I don't know. Maybe this isn't mm, for you. Man, this is going to get me going. Chris, I want to hear your opinion before I uh, take oh, off.
4: Look, I'm, <laughs> I'm on board with pretty much all of that. Um, you know what I mean? Like, now, what'd
3: you call me again? Chrissy Corcheets. But you're what, dude? You're a different ball game, brother. You're a different <laughs> I'll, I'll, ball game. All I'll
4: say is like I get called Chrissy Courtsheets, but you know I, I called
3: you. I, hey, I want to just take credit for that first I of know, all. I know you did. But it's, hey, Bob, I say that.
4: But I, you know, I know, I know exactly where I stand in the musical community, and I know I where you stand too. You're a different I get ball game for all kinds, all kinds
0: of sub gigs and one offs. When all, you're subbing out and you're a hired gun, charts are fine. I have no problem with or that. Or somebody
3: th- or or you're on a gig and somebody throws a new tune at yeah. you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The, uh, you should play it
3: to the best of your ability. If that means using a chord shot for a, play, a tune you never play, then use it. Sure. sure yeah.
4: Totally. I'd much rather play play the song correctly and then you know get called back and then have a chance to learn yes. the tune. Totally. Than just butcher yes. it yes. for the yes. person that just paid 20 we're on the same bucks, page with to hundred bucks. Yeah. Um, you know, also, like if we're putting like little small bits and pieces of value on like I make all my own chord charts. I don't just download something off of Ultimate Guitar and then hope it's right. Like right, I, that's what I was gonna say. If you're, I sit if you're down. Your own I sit down. It's too. like sketching it out by. I mean, it's. I just got shit handwriting, so I sketch it out by hand. That and that's by transcribing. You know, it's so it's like, and I have my. I'll have show notes on there. Like I'll. I'll have you know. I'll have whatever if I need it for a, a gig or X and Y or whatever. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, if it's if it's you know, and I don't know. Like, look at. Look at Bob Weir and the Grateful Dead. Like, he's (laughs) played that music for 50 odd years and goes on stage with an iPad. Every single night. Yeah, You've but been,
3: when you do that many drugs, there's something else going on there, bro. That's look, not a
0: look, man. Yeah. That's look. not a musicianship problem. That's a, is it a set list that he's looking at, though. Or is it like, or is he like looking up charts and lyrics? Bro, and that, I, that's we could I
4: can pull up a two hour compilation video of bro, Bob Weird just dr- singing.
0: When you do drugs at that level for that many years,
4: then just fucking stay home after yeah. that. You know yeah, what well, I mean? Like, let's. That's another
3: question of bands that should retire. You is another one. Yeah, yeah, just like
4: you know, like if you Yikes. need. If you need a map to get from the green room to the stage, <laughs> just fucking call it a night, man.
0: That's like some fucking spy tap shit, bro. That's facts, bro. goddamn that's night. Facts. That's facts. Um, so how do you feel about it?
3: Oh, I hate them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, my opinion, bro? I can't stand chord charts. Hey, on drums, am I sitting there with an the iPad? That's that's Hell no. That's the thing. It's just
0: like it's like. It's like and
4: I, hold on. You also don't download the Spotify playlist and tell you. Yeah, well
0: hey, everything's improv. All right,
4: hold on, hold on, Alex. Fuck off. You don't take <laughs> Oh, here your, we go. Oh, you don't take your what's the difference between a chord chart in front of me and your AirPods in your ear between every song hit and play on that thing?
3: Okay, I do that for the passing games every once in a while. But honestly, can I be honest with you with the with the AirPods thing? I need to find in ears, but I use the AirPods because a lot of times I'm playing drums, my own drums, or I don't I I <laughs> Yeah. Let me talk.
4: You crack me up. Anyway. I know.
3: I don't like the overtones coming off the drums. Uh-huh. I honestly like like the in ear sound that I get off the drums because there's a lot of there's a lot of overtones that come off the drums that I don't like. So that's one of the main reasons I use the AirPods. And then there are a couple gigs. Okay, dude. What's the difference between me using an AirPod for a gig that I have no idea what's going on and using a chord there sheet? There's not it? one at all. Exactly. So you're slightest. using a chord sheet.
4: But you just said I don't use iPads and this and that. But I listen to Joe Rogan in the middle of my set. I
3: don't use. Okay. Well, that was a little was <laughs> exaggeration. But
0: you, look, you're on a. Okay. No problem. This is what happens in bands, guys. Hey. You're witnessing it live on the podcast. Hey,
3: you, somebody calls out a tune. You're on a gig. You don't know it. You're gonna pull out your iPad. Somebody calls out a tune real quick. I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna have my AirPods in for other reasons, but I'm going to listen to the first <laughs> five seconds of the song, get an idea of what's going on uh-huh. and then I'm going to play the tune. I
0: and just that tell tempo, people, That tempo
4: change of the second chorus is going to fuck you.
3: Hey, I, I just, only listen to the first five seconds.
0: <laughs> I just tell people that I don't know the song. I'm not going to play it. Well, we're insane. So. <laughs> oh, well, we
3: just say, dude, I, I don't honestly and I honestly respect for that. I don't think I've ever said that. Yeah, <laughs> people are hey, you know this tune.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For, it's it's different for a drummer though, you know what I mean? That's true.
3: I'm not playing changes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So y'all are playing changes. Y'all are messing with the tonal center, this, that, and the other. If you want to stay diatonic or not, y'all are messing. Whether we're genre of music or dealing, especially with. it's a three piece
0: and you're the only melodic instrument.
3: 100 you know. percent. drums. There's a little bit of leeway there, especially if you're big on improvisation and just listening to other people. Yeah, I think, and that's what it kind of gets to at that point, at least on drums, is okay. Do I kind of the song sure? Most of those songs I don't know, right? But I'm listening. I'm exactly. a listener. That's all I'm a listener. That's important. If I can, if you can listen to the people that are playing around you, and so a lot of times I'll joke with Chris and other people at gigs. They'll say, "Hey, do you know this tune?" And I'll say, uh, "Yeah, kind of." But as long as they know it, I know it. In the sense of, I'm a listener. So if they know the tune and they know the changes, they know the feel. In my opinion, the drummer's the quarterback. As long as the other people know the know the tune well enough, just well enough to get by. I can listen, use use my listeners, and then play off them. Yeah, totally. But in terms of chord sheets, I hate them.
4: And then you get in a band with me, and I'll just try to directly throw you off. But that comes I, from your game.
3: that that comes from people that, for whatever reason, a tune that I've played with them, and I know they've been playing for years before I joined the project as a hired gun. I know they know the tune. We're it's a three four chord song. And oh, don't even get me. St- oh, can we talk about this? Can we talk about artists that skip the bridges?
0: Ooh. That shit is so yeah. fucking basic, bro. Like, what are we doing here? You literally have, and those are, the,
3: those are the same people that have the chart in front of them. Yeah. Dude, I play with, and those are your cover gigs. Those are your, you're just, you're just playing, you know, you're playing at Costa Marina. You're playing all cover music. You're not doing any originals. That's not even part of the project. Of course. But dude, there's so many projects that just
0: skip over the darn bridge, bro. And they have the court cheating from them. It's like, dude, just learn the bridge. And this is why they're low stakes and people undercut people all the time because nobody cares about anything. And we circle yep. it back to the beginning of the podcast. That's why like being in towns like this sometimes where the opportunity to grow to something bigger isn't always so obvious. Yeah. Uh, it devalues not just us as musicians but the art as a whole that's i think really the overall point of this episode that i can confidently say and i i've <laughs> got we got to wrap this one up we've been going on a long fucking time but no bro, we can literally talk for another four hours about all this stuff i've but please wrap I, it up i've so enjoyed this conversation i have too man and it, like i said i know between
3: me you and chris our friendship and we could literally sit here for until five in the morning drink whiskey and talk about this totally but if you need to wrap it up, let's wrap it up, yeah, because so we could keep going <laughs> on yes, this stuff. Yeah, totally, man. totally. But no, we'll
0: we'll, we'll do and we'll do this again because there's more to talk about. Oh, please, right? I'd love to I'd love to come back and chat with y'all. Absolutely, thanks for being here, bro. Especially last minute, this is all, this is so much fun. Yeah, it's been it's been great, dude. Thanks for having me. On that note, it's in bottom of the bill. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Peace, peace. That's good stuff, man. I'm not going i